Can we get a lamp set up at some point? Oh my fucking god! I, I'm dude. just, I'm just asking. Every time it's, you come in it's here, okay. you're like, "Can I get a lamp? Just be, buy a floor lamp be, and bring it here. Just bring a floor lamp here." You bougie ass! I swear to God, there's an overhead light in this room. It doesn't. I can I don't see like you it. perfectly. I, I, we could not even have the light on. You wouldn't just do it in the dark? <clears throat> I mean, fuck, I wouldn't have to look at you. Well, it's, turn that light off. Let's see what Hey, man, it's worked for me in the past. Will yeah. you actually turn the second switch off? Yeah, that, that does nothing. So okay. Turn it off. No, turn the second switch off. Turn the second one off, and then what? Nothing. <laughs> well, what does that do? It's someone flipped it up for no reason. I was oh. telling you, yeah. What just, does that switch do? It's built in for a fan if you had an attachment at the light, but it's just the light. Oh, okay. so this is a fucked up room, and it's not just me then. No, this is literally the way the room was built. <sighs> yeah, want a lamp. it's pre-wired for a fan. You have two was switches your house and built by H. H. Holmes. Huh? <laughs> was your house built by H. H. Holmes? Look, that, have, that's his biggest torture device. It's just a switch that yeah. does nothing. Yeah, a switch yeah. that does nothing. A room, a room with no lamp and a chair, but two switches and one does nothing. <laughs> they make a Saw movie and throw Mike into a room. <laughs> and they're like, here, you can stay in this mid-tier suburban home. Yeah. Oh no, there's no lamps. I just, want, I just want something that's not like on top of I have a ball do you want to play a game oh, <laughs> I'm just saying like I have nothing to buffer the light from my eyes and it's upsetting it's throwing me off big time what do you mean throwing you lighting. off we're not bowling or throwing I know, darts I know, we're but, talking but we're talking but I, I, I feel like it's omnipresent I feel like it's it's like God in some way and I feel like I'm being judged you're attributing something. a lot of properties to a fucking light bulb <sighs> Well, it's definitely there. And why don't you have LEDs installed? Yeah, on what, the ceiling? yeah that's, that's not an LED. That's not like a sixty watt. Okay, yeah. Are you, do, you, do you hate saving energy? <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that's an LED bulb. It's just the cover is colored in such a way that makes it look that way. You pissed on it. I don't think either of you have ever actually installed one of those lights before. Oh, yeah, I, I, I guess I have lights. those. Yeah, lights. No, my, my house is great with light. No. Yeah, I have I've all been kinds to your of house. Setups. It sucks. No, no, the lights are awful. No, all the it's lights always in... dark. No, that's not true. He doesn't even have a single. I've lamp got one of those lights, but I do not use the light. You I use the lamps. What, you can see what you need to. <laughs> you know, you can see all the best parts of it. It accentuates. <laughs> <laughs> and here it's just like a lot of gray walls. I feel like we're in fucking House of Leaves. I think or he's colorblind. I don't. I don't... Yeah, that's not gray. Mike. Is it not gray? No. What is it? No, it's actually gray. It's, yeah, of course it's gray. <laughs> I know about gray, all right? Yeah. I mean, that's the only color he can see. Yeah. I minored in gray in college. Yeah. So, so, so I was telling Mike, I actually do have a little bit of an, like a, a little, a little tidbit as to why I wasn't at the last podcast and everything. Cause mm. I was, I was sick and all that shit. Cause you want the show to be good? <laughs> God, yes. I can't wait till I'm off this. So, before the before I got sick and everything, I um I don't know if I told y'all, but I had gotten some rollerblades, which as a thirty one year old is the perfect time to get <coughs> skates. So because you work at Sonic, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm <laughs> whipping around Sonic. Did you get the four wheels rollerblades? No rollerblades. They'll pay okay. you more money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I had gotten some rollerblades a couple months ago because 
birthday party was coming up uh, and I was going to go for the, for the mayor and you were in a midriff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had fucking headphones on, my fucking CD player on my way. So yeah, I was killing it. So anyway, I got in rollerblades because I was like, you know, I'm going to get back into it and get comfortable with it so I can skate at the little birthday party. Okay, so... <clears throat> so I can skate at the little birthday party. Yeah, at the... Whatever. So I can skate at the birthday party that's coming up. Um, so... <laughs> it was I still don't understand God, why he sounds, got the rollerblades. This sounds so gross okay. and I'm so turned on anyway. All right, look. At your next birthday party, can I get rollerblades and skate <laughs> yes. around for you? <laughs> this is not my birthday party. <laughs> daughter, my girlfriend's daughter. Beep that out. Was that? Yeah. My please. Yeah, actually, do not put her name in it. Okay. My girlfriend's daughter was going to have a birthday party. It was today. A couple of months ago, I thought, okay, it's at a skating rink, and I used to rollerblade a lot when I was a teenager, oh, so yeah. I bought some rollerblades. Okay, give it a couple of weeks. She comes down here to visit one weekend, and we go to the skating rink, right? So we go to the skating rink, and I get on them, and I'm feeling a little comfortable with them, not compared to, you know, the little, like, whatever, the normal roller skates with the four, like, spread out, two on each side, roller skates or whatever. Training blades. I, I, <laughs> I can't skate on those fucking things, and it turns out I can't fucking skate on rollerblades either. <laughs> I don't because... know what you're talking. We just rolled a hoop down a hill with a stick in my day. <laughs> we, we were at the skating rink, dude, and I went out on the on the rink, and I was, you know, getting into it, getting back into like feeling crossovers and everything like that. I was coming off of the rink, just doing the simplest of activities, just wheeling off the rink, getting into the carpet area. I lift up one of my fucking feet. And the other leg flies out from underneath Oof. me. I go full back, whole spine onto the floor. There's no like, whoa, like no like wacky Scooby-Doo, like wheelie legs catching yourself. I didn't put arms out, nothing. It was just all spine. I smack that tailbone and then go right to my shoulder blades. And luckily I had enough. Uh, absorption in my spine so that I didn't whack my head on the ground. Old spongy ass spine Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> and it was no cheeks either, by the way. Like, did not yeah, fall you on don't my have ass. Those. Yeah. <laughs> that pancake butt did mean nothing. Dude, I ate shit. Totally. I fell down and I just like laugh and like closed my eyes for a second. It was pretty busy. There were a lot of people around. Not a single fucking soul even laughs. In my direction, no one says anything. Is that more upsetting if no one laughs, dude? No, I think exactly. So. When I, we were kids, I they thought, all we laughed at each right, other. Right, I thought we, like, dude, it. if someone spilled across the floor and just like totally yeah. fucking slammed into the ground in front of me, I would chuckle at least, like, and then I'd be like, "Hey, you all right?" No one, no one reacted. Yeah, you can offer help. Look around for a second. I'm like, did that even happen? Oh yeah. I'm just on the ground and I'm just looking up the fucking ceiling and I'm like. I can still walk. Okay, I can move my legs, and I get yeah. up. It's almost just... better if you didn't, if you couldn't, though. You know what I mean? If just like, well, no one, no one can laugh now after the fact because this is this is life altering. It's got very serious. Yeah, yeah this is life ending. So I pick my ass up and I like wheel away. You should have laid on the ground until someone reacted. Yeah, right. yeah, just just lay there and play dead like a like, seven year old in your front yard. Holy shit, dude! I just I really fucking did a number on my back. I like really fucking smashed it 
And I get up and I wheel away. And this old dude that was sitting on a bench like across the room, he sees me and he goes, you all right, man? I said, yeah. I don't think I'm going to make that mistake again. I took those fucking skates off and I sent the motherfuckers back. I <laughs> did not. <laughs> Dude, the next day, I could barely fucking walk. It was an ordeal Ooh. to get out of bed to go piss. I was tore the fuck up. It yeah. was bad. It Dude. was hard to fucking move. My spine was just so tight and killing me. I, I, I honestly, I was like, I must have been just, just mere like, just millimeters or something away from breaking that fucking tailbone. No, no doubt. Ooh, I, I was yeah. really feeling it. And then three days later, I get sick and I have the fucking flu symptoms and I'm losing my voice. I can't do the podcast. And the worst of it is that I have to sit there and watch that shitty fucking Leaving Las Vegas movie. Yeah. My back is tore up and I'm just in so much pain and I'm sick and I feel awful and the only redeeming thing is watching Nicolas Cage go, whoops, I'm a prickly pear. I mean, you would think, though, that you would minutes. find some kind of empathy in that movie, though, since you're going <laughs> to die pretty soon, too. You know what I mean? Like, since you're on a fast track to death with just common behavior, you would think that you'd be like, okay, I kind of see where they're going with this. <laughs> but, but, dude, I, yeah, I ate shit on those rollerblades. I sent them motherfuckers back. That is not something I ever need to be doing again. That was for when I was a kid because it only takes one good fall and I could have like seriously been fucked up. I mean, I probably am, but yeah. we'll just walk it no, off. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. yeah, for sure. Uh, so are you thinking like Wendy's now or like Burger King or what do you, what do you think you're going to do as a career move? I mean, you know, I've really been, you're, you're, you're kind of fucking dumb. So there's really, you can't, you can't do anything more than like, you know, walk a bag of hamburgers out to a car in the waiting lane. I think yeah. Chick-fil-A is the next move because I feel like they would, no, that, that's a very active drive. through Yeah. Though. But I feel like they would really take pity on me. Oh, well, yeah, definitely. No. They'd be required to hire you. But the, the, they're cordial by their paycheck, and you can barely function at a gas station. So I don't think that's probably the right move for you. I don't think you want me pumping gas. I don't want you pumping anything uh, at all. Whichever so. has disability would be good for you. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. That was me getting my my old ass tore up by some damn rollerblades. Well, it, it no was no business doing any of that shit. It sucked not having you on uh, the last episode, but I think we did um, kind of by incident figure out like what the um, situation is going to be with normal episodes and Patreon episodes. So I think with the shit episodes you'll be on those and then with the patreon mm -hmm. we'll just have jesse on those yeah and that way there's like some kind of reward um for people that are paying you know yeah, they don't have to listen to me correct yeah so okay so we're going to use you for these and that way we can sort of like inch our way into getting people to either not listen anymore which is also a good goal or just pay the four dollars to listen to the ones with jesse on them Okay. So, I mean, if you're there, it's fine, but we'd rather have you uh, splayed out on the floor and not talking into a microphone. That's so. fine. Just buy me a couple of pairs of rollerblades. <laughs> I can make that fucking yeah, happen that, easy. That shouldn't be an issue. <laughs> Get you some fucking end lines, bro. Oh my god, dude. It was a, it was a nice little uh, nice little drive over. A little little pink sunset. Did you see that? There was a little pink. Yeah, a sunset. Little pink like never seen pink in your life. Oh, no, uh, well. Pink. In the sunset, I have. Garrett's nursery when he was a baby. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it took it, took three whole months before my dad realized, Oi, what's up between his legs? Yeah, his it, the, the doctor delivered him and was like, is it a boy or a girl? And it's like, it's just a squawking fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> his, his, look, his, his dad slipped the doctor 20 bucks. And he's like, you just want to throw it in the trash and give me a normal. <laughs> it just... <laughs> That's not very nice. I'm sorry. I mean, we were having a nice time, and I had to say something about your yeah, we were having a, your, a good time. Your like, actual for, childbirth that happened for once. For once, the two of you got to gang up on me, and then you no. immediately turn it on. Yeah, Gary. it can't last. No. Yeah, it can't fucking no, last. It's a, like, it's I'm, okay. No, no I, we know. We know where we. I said. I know what I said on the totem pole here. Okay, I, I can. Who? Uh, I, not, below, no one. Everyone bo- sits on me. Yeah, below it, below the ground. Fucking <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. hammered into the ground. He's like the, up to the, my neck. the tip top point, like the pointiest part of the point that like wedges itself into the earth. And then like above that, there's like the level ground and then like a fucking squirrel with a silly face on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then there's cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the bottom of the totem pole? There's a cockroach and then like a squirrel, then an owl, then an eagle. Is that what it is? Why not just throw the whole fucking animal kingdom like up there? It's like an eagle, right? a buffalo. They're all screaming, though. Yeah, so, they all, all right, look like so, so it's garret, ground, cockroach, <laughs> owl, eagle, Jesse, buffalo, <laughs> raptor, and, <laughs> and then, like, uh, well, what's up top? What's top of the totem pole? Uh, definitely me. But no, you're below it. No, no, no. You're on the ground with your roller skates on. <laughs> Mike's sitting on top of it with no pants on. <laughs> yeah, I've got the bear up me. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. All right, welcome to 90s Roulette, everyone. Podcast where we spin the wheel to find out what media we cover if from the only decade worth talking about. Does everything still glitter as gold through roast tinted glasses or nah? Nah. Uh, Michael and with me is. Oh, I'm Dalton. And I'm Garrett. And I'm Michael. And this is 90s Roulette. Garrett, you want to break down how we. Uh... Yeah, so in this show, we have all of our media uh, categorized on a list, and we use like a number generator to just kind of technically spin the wheel, and whatever it lands on is what we cover each week. So, Mike, you want to let us know what we got? (sighs) Yeah, I guess. Uh, This week, we're covering Almost Heroes, uh, starring Chris Farley and Matthew Perry from 1998, Chris Farley's last movie. Uh, we are covering Kids in the Hall, a TV show, and we are covering uh, the primitive radio gods standing outside a broken telephone booth with money in my hand. So, um... <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Holy, that, dude. We can see how interested he is in this guy. Yeah, oh, this is, uh, He's I'm excited not, about this Dude, list. I am not going to lie. This one is not going to be a fucking... Uh, 
a real talker for me. Uh, I mean, <laughs> no, nothing. I mean, nothing bad. Are we still record? Are we still going? Is this in the episode? We're still going. Yeah, Do you want us to going. get you another lamp? No, it's okay. One lamp is plenty. <laughs> he get, he lost energy when we brought the lamp. No, in. I he lost did. energy the second I mentioned almost heroes, which is kind of a telltale thing for how I'm going to feel about this. But that's so that's so funny because I watched both movies back to back. Because I intended to do both podcasts. Yeah. Wait. So, you, so you watched Leaving Las Vegas? I watched then, Leaving Las which, Vegas. Which, which order did you watch? I watched Leaving Las oh, Vegas, shit. then Almost Heroes. That would okay. probably make you like Almost Heroes a lot more. Oh, for sure. Oh, I yeah. I actually did. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I liked Almost Heroes. You and I are going to be Empatico here. Yeah. Simpatico. Yeah. How did you? Empatico. Well, Simpatico. I Simpatico. changed it. Simpatico. I actually simple, fucking minded, maybe. Oh, well, we're, okay. we haven't so really gotten into can, Almost Heroes yet. Yeah, so. I know. This is an aside. Like, okay. uh, we can cut all this out real quick. I just want to know, did you actually like leaving Las Vegas? Yes. You think that he was actually good in that movie? Well, you have to listen to the episode. Yeah. Hey, you want to go to Patreon.com? I, I, I will say I do understand why you wouldn't like it. I do, I do get it. Especially like if you have the image of the meme of Nicolas Cage in your mind and then you see that movie. And like he's still kind of doing that. But I think it works for that character. It was like why every... I, it was like every single line he said, I cringed at. Every time he spoke, I was like, I wish this was a different well, actor. Well, you're not far off from the mark there. I think that's pretty fair. It's pretty fucking cringeworthy, but I don't think it's for the reasons <clears throat> you're talking about. Yeah, I thought it was like bad. Like, like if it wasn't for the podcast, I would have turned it off in like 30, 40 minutes in. I would have, I would have turned the movie off. All right, well... That was just yeah we, yeah. we can cut all this out. Yeah, we'll I just, get back. We'll get back. We'll circle back around on that later. Yeah, sure, um, sure, sure. We don't have instance. to. We can avoid that. So, what do you think about Almost Hero? <laughs> all right, well, hold on. Yeah, where are we in the intro? Should we, should we re- try this whole thing again? No, nah, really. I feel I like we didn't. I, really, I feel I like know. that was very low energy, and you definitely want something different. I, I nah, really. I mean, you mean to do the whole thing again? I don't know. How are we transitioning <sighs> to the actual discussion? Um, just like that. All right, and then the, the theme song. Yeah, I think that's actually pretty good. Yeah, I think that, that that's really like it's natural, and uh, <laughs> uh, we can go with that. This is, I, I think, even we, the, the hey, editing hey, process is going to be low energy. We've lost the plot, but something else that has lost the plot is almost heroes. There you go. Change. I smoke, but with my kids in the car, smoking's curbed. No big deal. I've got Wrigley Spearmint gum. We join in celebrating the life of a legend whose laughter lives on in a tasty new movie. He's clever. He's smart. Chris Farley. You want my head to explode? Matthew Perry. Trust me, the worst is over. They're hitting the road and anything else that gets in their way. Almost Heroes, rated PG-13. Okay, so our first uh, movie. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, you should restart that. Yeah. Hey, can we get a new guy in here? Restart who you are. Huh? Huh? Restart who you are as a human being. All right, like, hold on. Let me just Presentation skills. <laughs> All right. Um, I already like him better. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, our, the movie we're covering this week is Almost Heroes, which is, stars Matthew Perry and Chris Farley as two buffoons that are basically living in the shadow of Lewis and Clark and are trying to beat them to the Pacific with a ragtag group of uh, wacky side characters. Can I do my, can I do my joke? 
I, I did oh, like I, I did one? like how you said Matthew Perry and Chris Farley because that is the correct order. This fucking movie stars. It is a Matthew Perry movie first and foremost. I I I will I will add an addendum to that. But go ahead and make your oh, joke. The joke was it stars Matthew Perry and Chris Farley. One is whom one. <laughs> One of whom is a hopeless alcoholic and drug addict, and the other one is Chris Farley. There it goes, huh? Because, 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 uh, that was a joke. God, (laughs) this is good as it's gonna get. That was was the only thing I wrote down. That's the only input he's got this entire talk. Okay, the rest is gonna be you and me. First off, just off the top, I did not know that this was Chris Farley's last movie. It's his last leading, last leading. Yeah, he's in dirty work. Yeah, he's in dirty work after that. But yeah, he died seven months before this movie came out. Yeah, Um, which I. This is why I think this is a. if we were going to roll a Chris Farley movie, I'm glad that we rolled this one because I think it's just kind of like an interesting one to talk about uh, even more so than Tommy Boy because you, this is after the success of that. And you kind of get to see how uh, Hollywood is trying to figure out what is a Chris Farley movie and how to sell him as a star. Um, without David Spade. Yes, especially without David yeah. Spade. Um, and basically the answer to that is make a buddy comedy road trip movie. Because yeah. that's what Tommy Boy is. That's what they did to recreate that with Black Sheep. Um, Beverly Hills Ninja was not that, but and that failed horribly crit- critically and financially. Yeah. Um, but then they come back around to it with uh, with this. It's a road trip buddy comedy. You don't have David Spade, but you still have a straight man in Matthew right. Perry. Right. You 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 have you have the like witty, sarcasticy kind of character. Not that he's as witty as. Like David Spade is right. in like Tommy Boy or something, but he's still like the the straight the 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 normal man comparatively to the side character list, correct? Especially and Chris Farley, correct? Right? And even beyond this, like what would have been the future? Like he was attached to Shrek at one point, and what a Shrek, but a buddy comedy road trip movie. Yeah, right. He was still doing that. So that except, was, except the allure of Shrek is he's also the buddy in that is another great comedian. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Eddie Shrek Murphy. was Shrek became more of a straight man. So I don't know if like, you know, anime movies they change so much over time. So I'm not sure if like Chris Farley when he was attached, Shrek was more of the uh the what still the wild crazy guy, or if he was more of a straight man. Uh, from, um, from what I understand, I mean he recorded everything, he, and from what I understand, he, I mean it, yeah. it, it was more of a somber uh, role that he was trying to do than what Mike Myers did with it. I mean, Mike Myers did a lot of stuff with that that character, but I think the Chris Farley thing, he was going for like a lot of gravitas. He was not going for just like how loud and buffoonery can I get? It yeah, was, it, yeah. There was There's, there was like a lot of pathos. To yeah, what they released doing. some of the te- some of the voiceover tapes, and it sounded a little more somber. Um, but yeah, this so- movie was a lot of like what you expect kind of, you know, watching this movie is very, it, it felt very formulaic, you yeah, know, I absolutely. And especially like Chris Farley's role in it, especially just, towards the end of the movie. Right. It's just that, yeah. oh, it's this wacky thing where, you know, it's it's obviously no one's, there's not a whole lot of, like, violence or anything, but it's a lot of loud shouting and, like, silly comedic, 
humor, just everything about it is all, you know, it it, it stops to make jokes. Yeah. It, it almost feels like this is where Farley would have started as a, as like a lead <clears throat> right. versus yes. like where he ended. Because yeah. it, it's almost like, well, what do we do with the guy? And it's like, I don't know, just fucking turn him loose. Because, I mean, the very first time you see Farley in the movie, he's coming out of a out of a cabin and he's screaming and yelling and it's all just hysterics. And it's like, yeah, it's funny because it's like a big schlubby you know, loud, like, befuddled idiots, like, making a lot of noise. He's doing the John Belushi thing, essentially. And it, it it's not really honed into anything. It's not, like, written well. They're sort of just taking the leash off and saying, go to it. And it doesn't really work that well. Right, it's just kind of like, do your thing. Oh, yeah. you're, a, you're a trapper, sure, whatever. It doesn't matter. You're traversing across the entire, in the entirety of the United States. You're also a very dumpy, big, drunk silly crazy man yeah and it's just like just be that it it, like it it almost feels like it doesn't really matter what the role is that he has in the movie he's gonna be chris farley he's there to be chris farley he was the first one to sign on to this movie Um, which is of course like a yeah obviously like he's the star power it's just like casting an action movie and throwing fucking bruce willis in it which is a bit sad because like in interviews around this time and and even in uh, if i don't know if you've seen the chris farley documentary but when they're talking to like his family and closest friends and stuff they were all talking about like around this time he was trying to get away from what he what Farley considered the fatty fall downs type roles, right? Which he, is this movie yeah, to it. He didn't want to oh, do man. it anymore. Yeah. Like when he was making Beverly Hills Ninja, uh, he asked the writer, uh, "Hey, can we add some more stuff with like the father and brother? Because that's what's really important to me." And the writer took it to the director, and the director's like, "Dude, this movie's about a fat guy in a ninja suit. That's it." Right. This is ripped pants humor. That's what you're going for. And that's like when I was watching this movie, not that like I'm looking to be like blown away story wise or anything or like by the dialogue. I just sat there and I thought, you know, this is probably a movie that I would have thought was really funny and fun if I was 13 or 14 or something. That's around the time I saw it uh, first, maybe a little younger. But like this was a movie that was always on uh, like TBS or Comedy Central. Right. It's a great it's a great like play on TV. Sure. I had never seen it before. This is the first time. Me neither. Yeah. This is my first time, too. Yeah. But it, it felt comfortable in the sense of like oh i know this formula i yeah. know what to expect from the movie it's a comfortable you, movie yeah you know what all is going to happen and everything and that's not necessarily like a bad thing it just it sucks to know that what like box he was just being shoved into is just to replay the guy from tommy boy from black sheep yeah. just replay this Re- guy his be characters this guy. on snl over and over yeah be um, the same dude down like living in a van down by the river just do that here i just I, want you I to still wear this think costume. it works here like the you know the only one that really sticks out is Perry, but you know he he really should stick out i guess because right, he's the aristocratic yeah like, and it like i think Farley fits in with the rest of the crew that's just like <clears throat> these like shit farmers and you know these other rugged... than Eugene Levy's character yeah other... oh, I'm gonna get to <laughs> Eugene Levy's character <laughs> I like yeah, that guy you, you know you talked about like being 13 I, I literally was 13 when this movie came out this was 98 and I, I think it, it's funny because I, Chris Farley hadn't died yet they're already previewing the movie and 
I remember even seeing the trailer, which the trailer should be representative of the best parts of the thing. Like the best bits are going to be in the trailer. Right, the highlights. Right. Correct. So, it, and even that trailer at 13 years old, because a trailer was everything when you're 13. <clears throat> and you go, because you could only see them like in the theater. I mean, you'd see them on like E's coming attractions or whatever. If you were, if you had cable and you were lucky, like on a Friday night. Right. You weren't YouTubing them. No. Yeah. There's none of that. So, I mean, seeing this trailer, it was, it was a summer movie and seeing mm-hmm. this trailer, it was like, oh, another Chris Farley. But even this one at 13, I was kind of like, eh, you know, pass. Like, I'll, I'll get it from Blockbuster or something. And maybe the next one will grab me more. But I had seen Beverly Hills Ninja. That was 97. And I was a little like, eh, on that one. It's not bad, but it wasn't like one of the better ones. Right. Uh, it was kind of like Jim Carrey doing something that wasn't quite like the AAA Jim Carrey. It was yeah. more of like a, okay, he's doing doing more of the same, but it's still entertaining, I'm sure. But I'm not going to spend my hard-earned allowance in getting a ride to go to the movie theater and wasting my time on this. Yeah. Right. I this think... one's always stuck out in my mind just because it's like the forgotten Farley movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even, it is. Even when it came out, like, you know, there wasn't... There wasn't any press for it. There no. wasn't any that it was for some for a star like this was his, the peak of Farley star power. You would think that they would fucking just try and well, get people in the seats to see like his last thing. But maybe no one, they were banking on like his name alone to be the huge thing that kickstarts all that, right? Like it, he's had enough under his belt. Maybe this is the thing that like gets asses in seats, but. You know, I I really can I can see like how it it wouldn't you know especially coming off of like like you said Beverly Hills Ninja yeah. and everything and it's like you know you could watch that I you know we did watch that movie but uh, you know you could watch Tommy Boy today I think and I like like yeah there's the same like stereotypical like humor and everything but there's a lot of like elements in tommy boy heart. for chris yeah. farley like especially when he's talking about his dad yeah and he's talking about the company i think yeah. there's elements in tommy boy where as you get older you kind of connect with and identify with those moments a lot more right and in almost heroes i just don't no. really think there are any of those moments there aren't almost heroes is more of a bit driven movie Right, right. It's it's a, a, it felt it's, like sketch not, to sketch to sketch. It's, it's situational too because with Tommy Boy and Black Sheep, because Black Sheep's another like, it's a guy that's considered a buffoon to someone. Tim Mathis and his brother is running for senator or whatever he's doing in that movie. There's like someone that is really astute and is like well to do is ashamed of me, but by by blood and relation because of who I am. And then with Beverly Hills Ninja, it's like, what if Chris Farley was a ninja? And then in this, it's like, what if Chris Farley was, you know, a, a, a Lewis and Clark adjacency? That's a great way to almost heroes it. is yeah. a little is still different from Beverly Hills Ninja to me because this is where they're like trying to find the the Spade and Farley thing and recreate that but put it in a different setting right this mm-hmm. is tommy boy but in you know colonial eight, times eight, yeah right in eight, 1800s exploratory or yeah. whatever the fuck yeah it, exactly it, yeah. so um but yeah there's not like not like there's a big not a plot. lot of like it's an heartfelt thing. moments not a heartfelt you know the most thing. no the most like it's all bits emotional connection part is when he's when like matthew perry's character is sick 
right? And like he's trying to like. And he fights an eagle three times. He fights an eagle three. No, but I mean after that, right? Like yeah, yeah after the goofy bit yeah. over and over and over again. And they still land in jokes, like, all the way up to that point of, like, oh, I just needed the eggshell. You know, yeah. like, you couldn't stop ever to, like, have, like, a heart-to-heart moment. But, like, that's what I mean is there's there's just no... That's a checklist. Yeah, um, it, yeah. it's just, like, well, all right, well, what's he going to do this? What's it, well, yeah. Wouldn't it be funny well, if he encountered this guy? And this is where uh, it kind of gets, in my opinion, like, the biggest issue with the movie is more editing um absolutely yeah and i'm gonna get into that as we talk about it more a lot but this was like uh envisioned as an ensemble piece this is it's directed by christopher guest who is notable for his ensemble movies he did waiting for guffman best in show after this um and yeah. he and this was envisioned as an ensemble piece, and it's got a great supporting cast that really get the best bits. He had connections. I mean, he worked uh, on Spinal Tap. He didn't direct Spinal Tap, but I mean, he he was in that with like a lot of um, alumni for The Simpsons and SNL, and then yeah. he goes on to write for SNL for the better part of the early '90s and knows Farley, knows all these guys, and then he's got like these great character actors from his actual movies he directed. I mean, he's got Fred Willard and Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy, which he got in this. But a lot of those big names, he does not tap in for these at all. I mean, no, no, and, no. Uh, he, he gets a lot of like the the kind of secondary, tertiary characters from those movies, right. and and they're they are really good. They're the strong part of this movie, I think. Yeah, but it's not an ensemble whatsoever. No, <laughs> and so the whole thing was envisioned as it being an ensemble. It was written that way, and it was probably even shot that way. But according to like Farley's assistants, when it came to editing, they would the order of operations for cutting would be to cut the ensemble pieces first, then cut Matthew Perry's stuff, and never touch Chris Farley's parts. Which there are a couple of things that they probably could have cut from Absolutely. Chris Farley. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and then they reshaped it into a buddy comedy, which wasn't what it was supposed to be. So, I, I really don't feel like Matthew Perry is like the big, like, bad piece to this movie either. Like, I feel like even I don't if, think he's bad. even if Matthew Perry was David Spade in this situation, I don't think David Spade would work in this role. Right. I just, I don't feel like it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter. Who yeah. that straight man is? They need is. someone that 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 can ba- that Chris Farley can bounce his manic energy off of. Exactly, that's all you need there. And so, I think and, you do need someone that's a little bit more of a comic actor, though, because I mean, I I get that uh, Perry is at the height of Friends at this point, and he is a bankable name. But I think if you had gotten someone that's a comic actor that goes really big sometimes, but also plays an everyman, I think you grab yeah. Ben Stiller in so, '98, well, the man, first, and that works. The person they first offered it to is Hugh Laurie. Um, but at that, but at that time he was only known in the UK. Um, and so the studio wanted a bigger name. So they, then they offered it to Hugh Grant and then to Bill Murray. That could work. Hugh Grant could work in in 98. I think so. Yeah. But but both of them passed and they gave it to Perry. But that's what I mean in that, like, it it almost doesn't matter because it doesn't fix the movie being just a run of the mill Hey, be this character, and we're just going to shoot a bunch of like scenes around yeah, the, you being this. character. The other thing that could that would help us uh, uh, beyond editing is to like take the absurdity up to Monty Python levels 
yeah. really because you know there, there's bits like you've mentioned there are some bits that there are plenty of bits that don't really go anywhere or go as far as they should like that the david packer character bidwell who's just constantly like gets his arm eaten <laughs> off his his ear chewed yeah, off he loses an ear he loses an arm and you you keep hoping like they're going to keep running with that and by, yeah. the, by the credits he's lost every, he's going to be a fucking quadriplegic yeah, like, and, and they don't the do end, it he just becomes a black knight and holy grail that's kind of what right you know if right. they kept going in that direction then i think i kind of consider this movie like almost classic status like there were just little changes they could have made to where it would have been remembered as a classic that, that's not. that's what the title should be it's yeah, almost, almost good almost good <laughs> but, uh, but let's uh, let's actually get into the movie well yeah. there's there's a there's a lot of like absurd scenes and everything and it's funny that you mentioned like you know like monty python levels of absurdity because at some points it is very ridiculous. Like, yeah, it, you know, it towards is. the it's he's, like it he's wants, holding on to an eagle flying above yeah, the ocean. It wants to right. be that movie, but it stops just short yeah, of being yeah. that movie. It just keeps doing like these these like re- it, it it just reels it back in. It's like, well, why don't you just do the whole? It, thing? It's like yeah. it's like they want to go all the way and be like a fairly brother, like Dumb and Dumber level of insanity and escapades happening on screen, and then they dial it back to being like a PG Disney, like via like heavyweights kind of thing, to where it still needs to have heart and feel like it's sort of a buddy movie, and it's like basically if there weren't okay, just hear me out on this. If you've removed all the language, which isn't that coarse, but there's still language, the straw prostitute jokes, the animal shit jokes, the visible ass cracks, if you pull all that out of it, which really isn't that big of a thing in the movie, you've just got like a PG-rated Disney movie. You've got heavyweights where like they throw a hell or a damn out occasionally, but other than that, a lot of heart, and it plays it pretty safe. It barely feels like a PG-13 movie, and it should feel close to an R-rated movie, I think, with some of the stuff they're trying to pull off in this. They just don't go far enough. Like Garrett said, they just they stop like five seconds or ten seconds short of having a great, great bit, and then they just don't fulfill it. Yeah, there are really good ideas for bits in here. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I've watched this movie a couple of times now, and overall, it, it is something because it's a bit driven movie that I think is it makes it pretty rewatchable. Um the only time it becomes like a slog is after the over the waterfall and the Yeah, uh, the, and the, then the, the, the conquistador stuff. Yeah, that's we'll get to that. Um but yeah, well we can start getting into the movie so, a little bit. You, so like as like a um point A to point B to Z kind of thing, like a, a connect the dots, do you want to do it animal shit joke to animal shit joke or straw <laughs> prostitute joke to straw prostitute oh, joke? I really want to hit those straw prostitute jokes. Because you can really just sort of like have a very straight line from yeah. beginning to end yeah. if you just hit those points. No, you, you can. You can. De- dealer's choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, start, start us off. I mean, yeah. what what is this thing? Okay, well, we're going to kind of just go bit by bit, I guess. Let's do, let's do the opening credits because they, they do want Okay, the opening credits, I did have a note. Those are like super, the most low budget opening credits you could get. It's, it's like just a Ken Burns documentary. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like all these like paintings, like these majestic paintings of like the Northwest or something, yeah. you know, done like in the 1850s. And With it's some like, like MIDI, MIDI uh, instruments playing. Yeah, it's over got, like there. fiddle music playing <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And it's really nice. And like they're showing like, you know, some of the great landscapes, uh, you know, and they're showing the Yukon. And then they're showing like some of the explorers. And then they just have one they insert 
of like Matthew Perry and Chris Farley. Yeah. And Chris Farley looks like he's shitting his pants and his eyes are going like sidewalled <laughs> or something. It, it's like something out of a Ren and Stimpy thing. But yeah, they start with that and then they... Yeah, and then after that you're introduced to Chris Farley's character and he's being hung for a very mild offense of like getting drunk in public and with waltz- an officer. In front yeah. of an officer. Yeah, in yeah. Front yeah. Of an, and waltzing yeah. with an officer and they're going to fucking hang him for that. And they drag him up to the gallows and he's just, you know, very loud and very uh, <laughs> unkind. And I mean, it, everyone's it's, shouting it's pretty, at it's pretty telltale for the movie. Like when the door just is like banged open and it's just... Rick'em, rack'em, sick'em, sack'em. You know, he's just being dragged out by people and just screaming. And then the lady's like, I hope you burn in hell. And he's like, damn, lady. Jesus Christ, lady. Yeah. And Matthew Perry is is sauntering up on his, like, horse-drawn buggy. Him and Bokeem Woodbine are driving up on this, uh, or another casualty of the edits, are driving up in in this carriage and, like, he's in a hurry to, to stop it i suppose and he's always just like all right quick well, a man's life is on the line what well, but not too fast but please hurry up you know at a leisurely pace and yeah, yeah so he's not like to, in too much of hurry and it's kind of it's kind of funny and then when he gets there he's got the thomas jefferson uh, he's got the thomas jefferson letter to pardon farley right but farley's still hanging by his neck and he's just like kind of standing around not helping him at all <laughs> Yeah, it's, no, it's funny. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's a it's everyone, a funny everyone's taking joke. their time while like Farley's just like borderline pissing his pants <laughs> from being hung. Yeah, but that's that's kind of like a good lead in for the the difference here of our straight man and what he's playing in that like he's also goofy. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's also a bu- like pompous buffoon. Yeah, he's also eccentric and like a wacky person. Because he's doing the, you know, it's it's not just him pulling up in a carriage like, there's a man about to die. We should probably go a little faster. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between saying something he's sarcastic not a like that. Straight man. Exactly. He's not like a flat bounce board. He 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 also is a like wacky character. And it, he he's it, someone who wants to be higher above his station than he is. Yeah. Yeah, right. for, well, for sure, he's he's going for glory, right? Exactly, and that's the whole thing is that he's he's there to grab Farley to basically recruit him to compete with Lewis and Clark. Yeah, to be the first to, to cross the country, and right, get to right, the to, Ocean. to make it to the coast, right? To, and that's that's the whole premise like of him the, even being. The premise there. is so vague too, because like Harry Shearer narrates the opening, which Harry Shearer was in Spinal Tap with Christopher Guest and all that, and he's the voice in The Simpsons. But basically, he says, like, you know, so few people know that alongside Lewis and Clark, there was another team. That is all the exposition you get. And basically, it I, I think they never really say it. They never, like, really, like, point it out or anything. But I think that whoever, like, assigned this job kind of knows, like, well, we should have, a, have like, a second team. And they just give Perry this spot because he's kind of a fucking idiot. Like, I don't think he's respected by anyone. It's no. sort of like, I don't know. Just, just get, like in case the other guys die. Yeah, just in case. Like, have a backup. Have, like, an understudy, essentially. And then give him Farley, who is, like, not really a great frontiersman. Yeah, he's just so, a, some guy that we can get to, like, you know, lead the fucking canoe down the stream. Right. When we get to the end, I'm going to touch on it a little more. But, like, this to me is, like, a story about the losers. Yes. Um, Or it's supposed to be. 
Um, kind of like a Disney sports movie where, yes. like, the end is, you know, Lewis and Clark are like the sharks, the, the team with the black jerseys that yeah. are, like, so well-trained. And then you've got, like, the fuck-ups that have to have, like, the raw, raw Mismatched colored yeah. shirts like, and everything. Yeah. We have to yeah, have some kind of, the, like, you know, yeah, we can, we can win if we, like, work as a team kind of thing. Right. And, and, These right. are the miscreants. Yeah. So, Correct. Yeah. Right. So he gets Farley, tells him the deal, and uh, then it shows him at, like, a dinner party, I guess, before they're seen off. Yeah. Probably, yeah. he's probably with, like, investors or some people that are putting money out for the sure. trip or whatever um and uh this is a this is where one of the matthew perry cuts was because he was in the movie he mentions his a betrothed uh several times right but we never see that and this scene you're supposed to have a a, a bit with parker posey who was playing his fiance yeah like so uh, yeah another christopher gas mainstay yeah yeah so and that just got completely cut um so yeah keep perry in get posey out of there yeah, yeah great fucking move in the editing room yeah whatever um and then farley of course gets completely shit face drunk like immediately and gets kicked out into the and barn. that's wacky because he ends up in a stable he wakes Whoa. up in a stable yeah. yeah you know yeah it's not great i mean a guy you walks don't really up and he's see like, it. i kind of wish you could have seen there's, something yeah though. there's no like joke there it's that a guy walks up like an aristocratic guy walks up and he's like you look like a man that enjoys a nice finger of whiskey and he's like well i i shouldn't and he's like i'm not talking about getting fucked up man i'm talking about just having a sip and he drinks the whole thing like he's fucking fucking Laurel and Hardy, whichever and the like, fat get one was. Yeah, get your own booze. It's just like a really bad SNL skit. But instead of like actually showing like the aftermath of it and what he does drunk, they just do like a hard cut to him waking up in a stable. Yeah, and Matthew well, you Perry's, to, you've got to hit that ninety minutes hard, I guess, man. But and yeah, they do. Like, it's why, right at why 90. even show the scene? Because you don't get to see Farley like crash through I mean, anything why, or do why anything. Why do you even need the dinner scene, right? Like, right. Just, just cut to them in the river. Yeah, right. I mean, you, I guess you still establish that he's a he's a very messy drunk. I um, guess. So they, they don't really, as if they couldn't tell. Yeah. From the opening <laughs> yeah. scene where he's being hung for being so yeah, for, drunk for and being dancing a, yeah, with exactly. an officer. Being yeah. a shitty drunk. I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, then uh, then that's when we go to uh, them getting their team together. And yeah. this is where we're introduced to all the characters. You got the old man, uh, Jackson, who I, I love Jackson. He's all, I like, he doesn't get a lot, but every time no. he does, he's just like a, a giddy old man. It's just blue from see. old school. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, the same it's guy from old like, school. Like just a guy that, that dude, played like I went a, through his IMDb. He did so much fucking work right up until the year he died. Yeah, yeah he worked a lot. He's just yeah. a spunky old fucking dude that yeah. was like game for anything. Yeah, he was working like since at least the 60s and just nonstop. Never anything big, but no. just like these little, little I looked him parts. up too and like I, even things I noticed, I'm like, oh, okay, he's in that. It's like, where the fuck is he in that? And it's like bar patron number seven. Exactly. Like, oh, okay, well, good for him for staying in there and just enjoying what he does yeah and then uh you get eugene levy who is really great as the french translator and on when i watched it again last night i kind of uh notice a different thing about him i thought the bit was that he's the french translator who has no idea how to speak any languages I thought that was the joke with him. But the actual joke is that he's an impersonator impersonating the real translator that didn't show up for the job. Is that it? Yes, because when he shows up, Farley brings him over and he tells Barry, he's like, yeah, I got this guy says uh, you're he you're he's the translator you're looking for. And then Perry starts talking to him and uh, he mentions a letter that Fontenot right. oh, yeah. sent to him. Right. And he's like, letter, 
Oh yes, Leto. Yes, and he's like he has no idea See, what he's I, talking about. I took about. that as like in That's the letter why he can't he speak was, any languages because well, he's an impersonator. I, I thought he was just saying like in the letter I bullshitted like what I could do or what I couldn't do. I thought that's what they were trying to do with that. I, I didn't think mm-hmm. that he was impersonating another guy. I think he's a, the way like even when before they got to the letter part as they're walking up, I, I remember that like he, he doesn't know any languages and he's like so quick to jump ship, and I'm just like this guy. This guy is like an person here. I think he's he's just like a leech that's just he's done something and he's jumping he's like from a, one he's ship like a to another. French fur trapper yeah. or something that I, has a Native I American wife. The joke, I thought the joke was that he couldn't read or write, so like that was the he's like oh yeah the letter. I don't. I I thought the insinuation was you know, that like he actually has I, no know, fucking idea. I think, I think that might be the problem with the movie is that <laughs> the jokes don't really have one any of those, clear like yeah. beginning or end to them. Either one of these could be correct. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would, you know what? If you had told me from the beginning the joke was that he was an impersonator, I would fucking believe you hundred percent because there's nothing that tells me otherwise. No. Yeah, no. I, I feel like that is another thing that maybe that they shot it and. Like there was something with him where it's revealed what his deal is. You know that's that's there the problem. Totally is something like, there. The origin story for most of these characters that are all character actors playing like really over the top characters. They don't do anything with their origins because even Farley, it's like, well, what's the reason he's being hung? And it's like you could literally put anything there, and it's he got drunk and waltzed with an officer. Well, that's wacky if you're like. But 12, it, it, like, it's crazy. like if you have a lot of guys in a room, especially Christopher Guest, who is like the master in most of his movies, waiting for Guffman, especially Best in Show, of like just wing some shit. You're a guy who's got like nine dogs, and you're talking about like how you drove your mom nuts by like listing off nut names. I mean, it's a guy that can just wing it quick. I mean, that's the whole thing is is like. It's the shtick is basically what they're coming up with on the spot. They're able to just ad lib anything they want for nine, ten different takes, something different every time. But it's usually going to be funny. And this, it's like this is a scripted movie for the most part. This thing is written out because you have a yeah. lot of like actual actors. Matthew Perry is not winging much of anything in this. No. You need to give the guy a page with what should be said. And what's being said, you had time to work this out. It's not funny. I mean, if you had gotten people that were, like, in guest stable, which I know this is early guest, but all the same, if you had gotten, like, those people, if you would gotten Fred fucking Willard in here, that guy would have said something funny all day, every day. You could have used, you could have used any take that the guy gave you, and it would have been something more usable than what they have as a final product in this movie. It's, it's just not that well thought out. I mean, I think that Eugene Levy is doing good work in this. Eugene Levy, there's no fault with him. But he, he's kind of in there, and then he's just out of there. Like, Eugene Levy disappears for, what, 45 minutes in this movie? I actually turned to my girlfriend when we were watching it, and I said, did Eugene Levy disappear? Is the first, he just gone? The first time I watched it, I literally thought, like, he's out of the movie now. Right. I was like, you don't see him leave, he's just gone. Exactly. I thought, oh, he's just gone, and we just don't know why, because they cut it. Only for him to show up later, of and, course. But it's a- Eugene Levy in this movie, when he disappears, it's almost like having a nice dinner where you have high expectations and your water glass doesn't get filled until you're being served dessert. It's one of those things where it's just like, there was such a long period of time where we had no water. And why? What the fuck happened here? Like, 
why why was there not this one thing well, I mean, where when he does come back it's not like and it, he doesn't really have anything no to do. he doesn't really stick around that long either when he comes back he's kind of like there for a so, little bit he has a couple lines what okay so this is 98 what if he's literally going off to do american pie he might be. And it's like, I've got this thing that's going to be kind of a big deal. It's going to be like the Porky's of the late 90s. I kind of want to go do this thing. And I, I can only shoot from this point to this point. But he had like a three-week hiatus. Went and became fucking Jim's dad for the next 20 years or whatever it was. And then he's like, okay, I can come back and be in your stupid Pioneer movie. <laughs> I have no idea. I really don't. But he is inexplicably out of this fucking movie he he is almost as inexplicable in his absence. I, mean, as I don't think Bokeem. it's very inexplicable. Well, There's there. I mean, there is a scene where he says, "I will join your crew." Right. Crew he to does the other say guy. that, but I think what Mike is getting at is like, who gives a fuck? Like, why do you like? Now's the time to be true to the storyline. You know what I mean? It's kind of like. So well, what? We'll, Stick we'll, around we'll, and do we'll, something we'll weird. We'll get to that. When we get right. To that. Sorry. Yeah, so yeah. he's Let's, he's collecting everybody yeah. at so the docks. So he collects and everyone, yeah. and then like yeah. he gives a speech, and he mentions, you know, most yeah, great. he mentions yeah. it's gonna be difficult, and everyone's like, why don't we just go to New Orleans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the food alone, the food alone in New Orleans is worth the trip. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, well, and then he thinks he's gonna like be smart and say, well, all right, if anyone wants to go to New Orleans, go right. Right ahead, yeah. but if you want adventure, and then like everyone fucking goes, yeah, and then Farley, you know, shoots a gun, and uh, the so next man who fucking yeah. leaves gonna get a lead ball in his back, and it's like, well, what about the guys that already left? And it's like they'll be dealt with, and it's like, yeah, but how? And it's like, <laughs> well, they won't. Down the line, they'll be dealt with. Believe you me, but yeah, anyone else that leaves, but you know, you'll be hung yeah. for treason. So now we're stuck with a small group of the fuck of ups. The ensemble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the the best the men that were too slow exactly. to realize New right. Orleans was a better option. Yeah, and, and we we should mention that Eugene Levy, the disgusting French fur trapper impersonator, has got uh, a Native American wife. That he uh, makes it no <laughs> property. He, he yeah, property. Yeah, yeah but he, yeah. he he makes it very clear that anyone that looks at her will be killed. He's very possessive, and um, she is played by a lady that probably looks like a tiger now, because I think even in '98 she's probably already had uh, 49 uh, surgeries on her face. It is a very angular woman, uh, feature-wise. They did not go for a character actress. They did not go for someone like Parker Posey. They go for someone that I guess they thought would be eye candy. But to their credit, they did get a Native American actress. So good for them on that. But I don't know why she's in this movie. I feel To, to have the water scene. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> That's the reason. Yeah, we're going to get to the water scene. Yeah. Don't you worry. So, so they, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's stuck with them. And then uh, comes another uh, bit where they're on the, the lake and Farley is telling the crew what they can expect. And like he starts telling about all these animals that are going to attack them. Eagles that will claw their eyes out. Bears that will rip a man in half. And he's doing the Farley shtick of just like screaming and doing a lot of body movement. Probably just didn't have a lot on the page. And no. was like, 
I'll just do whatever. And that's not the funny part, but the funny part is like right after when all the men just freak out and start shooting Firing at the bank. Squad. Yeah, just the a squirrel everything. on the bank. Yeah, a squirrel on the bank. And they're like, he's got something in his he's hand. He's got something in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> like as if this squirrel has a grenade in his yeah, hand. Yeah. And it's going to lead to, it's going to blow them up. I, I do like the idea of that, though, of like them just yelling at Farley and saying, we're not going to say cut until your heart rate is up to 160 beats a minute and your hair is a fucking mess. Well, that takes him about 30 seconds. It, well, yeah, he did it in one take. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's but that's that's great for because it's kind of like a mainstay throughout the movie in that like, yeah, he's getting red in the face, going wild and crazy, doing these bits in the movie, but then the actual funny part is just these grown ass. That's the men. ensemble. Yeah, yeah, firing squatting this riverbank. They're just great. And like even after they realize, oh, oh, it's nothing. Oh, no, he's got something in his hands. Like, that's yeah. the funny part that, that yeah. should have been honed in on throughout the entire yeah, it's, movie. It's such a shame that they cut more of the, so much of those to guys. To have a dentist scene. Oh, uh, yeah, no. We're, we're going to get to that fucking I mean, dentist that, That's scene. the whole thing. Is like It's almost like Farley and Perry are a distraction to how funny this movie could be. Because they are the focus. But I feel like if, if Christopher Guest had just put all of his guys in a scripted, like, Frontiersman movie... It would be fucking funny. Like, if you've got yeah. all the people he normally gets in his movies, especially Eugene Levy, you got Catherine O'Hara, and you have some Parker Posey's in there as, like, the Native American woman, whatever. It would be a funny movie, but instead, every time it's about to be funny, or it could be funnier than it already is, it just cuts back to Farley doing Farley shtick, or Matthew yeah. Perry saying something like snide and sarcastic. It's a real editing guffaw uh most of the time i think this thing (laughs) you could have had a man slowly losing limbs and pieces of his body and everyone being a ridiculous movie yeah exactly so uh then we get to the first night when they're camping out (laughs) and uh the first thing you see is this uh, the whole purpose of this scene is just to show like the social class dis uh, dissonance between Matthew Perry and the rest of the crew. You see him in a bathtub and you see Bokeem Woodbine. This is like the only line you really get God, from Bokeem yeah. Woodbine. Bokeem fucking Woodbine, who is not, this is not his first movie. No, he's, he's been in good he's stuff. A guy, he's a very he established gets, actor. He gets like front credits billing. He gets here. like third bills. Yeah, third yeah, bill. But like he's a servant. He's like heating him up and uh, there's just like the things that Matthew Perry is saying is like, hmm. I think I'll wear my felt robe tonight yeah, or the, something. This water's a little tepid. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and he's like, he's I like, wouldn't know. I just washed my balls in a freezing, frigid river. Yeah. yeah. And then Farley comes up and is like telling him that morale's low and that the men, he thinks he should talk to the men. So then he goes out, talks to the men. They're trading stories and uh, it's very uncomfortable. And then Jesus one of Christ. fucking, uh, I forgot this, I think Higgins. Higgins yeah, or Higgins Whitfield or something. Comes up, tells yeah. that story about like feeding his brother uh, sheep shit pie. Put, yeah, putting sheep shit in his, in, like, in his like shepherd's pie or something. Yeah, right. but then the and twist the at whole the end. Thing. Yeah, give, tell, tell him the ending. The ending's the best part. Yeah, and it's he doesn't have a brother. He just ate sheep shit pie. Yeah, and everyone's just everyone's in fucking stitches over this like this joke, and, and Perry is just looking on like, what? So you just the 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 joke is you just ate shit like, and then and instead of like them going further with it, they just cut. They just cut yeah. right there to like the next morning, and it's like that was almost funny. 
I just I feel like there was more there. I feel like there might have been. There, I'm there sure should, there was. There should have been more to let that ensemble come through because d- earlier when he's getting ready to take off from the riverbank and everything, he's like, "Will you be joining us?" He says, "Well, I'm your slave." So yeah, like that. It's just that little quip right there that, is funnier funny. than yeah. all the other lines you, that you, have been delivered yeah. in this entire thing. You know what it is? It's almost like when you're sitting around with a group of people and you're telling a joke and because the vibes in the room are good, it doesn't really matter what you say. If one person starts laughing, you're all going to start laughing because the vibes feel good. It feels like the thing to do. This is like the equivalent of... Someone tells a joke. It's not that fucking funny, but someone's in stitches because they've had a few too many to drink right. or something. Everyone starts laughing. It becomes contagious. And then all of a sudden, instead of the laughter continuing and then someone saying one more thing that actually is funny and it continues even more, it grows, if anything, they just cut. They cut in the middle of the laughter. Yeah. I think that though this scene is uh, the scene is where Farley fits in perfectly. Because he's not the highlight of the scene. No. He's supporting the scene. The highlight is Higgins, really. And but he just like fits into that circle very well. His laughter is like the baseline of the beat in a way. Of yeah. like this thing doesn't work unless you have him just bellowing. They like, really belly would have benefited to having him like more with the crew than yeah. they did. Um yeah, but so that's their first night. And then they go to the, the Indian encampment or settlement and meet Bent Twig, who's the, the slow, not right in the head Indian oh. that just slaps them. Uh, but I, I, I bring up this scene because like it shows that Farley's character is not necessarily dumb. He is kind of uh, clever in a way because he, tra- he gives uh, the Indians all of Matthew Perry's stuff. And tells Matthew Perry that he had to trade them, trade them stuff so that they wouldn't get killed. And then when they're sewing away, um, Indian woman's like, they would never have killed us. And he says, I know yeah, that, but I'm not but I'm holding not gonna a bring, bathtub. Yeah, I'm not hauling yeah. all this shit with us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Which, yeah, that is funny. Yeah, it, well, it's like, oh, yeah, he's not, he's not an idiot, really. Right. He knows, and it's in he's the, street smart. It's the it's in the moment where, like, he gets low and he's like, yeah, but I'm not carrying all this shit with me. You know, that's the moment where he's delivering something funny, not when he's going, ooh, Yeah, I think I, his funnier stuff is you know, when he gets low like exactly. that. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, um, from there, they go to, uh, they go to, I don't know, there's like six more bits in here. There's a bunch of shit after that. Yeah, yeah, there's not like a giant, like, oh, here's an important story beat. The next, well, the next, like, actual story beat is when they encounter the Spaniards in the tavern, in the town uh, that they visit. Well, I, I, no, well, you know they, what? They, they do start teaching uh, they, Farley how to read. Well, they, yeah, they do the Farley. Okay, so the, the right after the uh, Native American encampment is when they go to the next the next night. He tries to teach him how bear, to read. The bear and scene, That's right? the telescope scene. Oh, that's the telescope that's scene? That's the telescope okay. scene, yeah. So, yeah, they, they go there, um, which I think the... the uh, uh, the reading scene is actually pretty funny. Uh, I, it I doesn't do. come back though. It right? doesn't. Like, no, it doesn't. They, they, they make a they joke about it. him trying to read a sign, but like, but like just he... as a bit, individual bit itself, I think Farley's good in it. He's the reason that it's sure. funny. It's just yeah. like when he's reading that, you know, the way he's looking at that first letter A, and then when the second one comes around and he <laughs> loses his fucking mind, 
yeah, yeah. Th- this is an uppercase A, and it's like, God, it's, it's perfect. It's not like a clever joke, but I found no. it. So it reminded me of the scene in Billy Madison when he's studying for that exam with the uh, hot teacher. Or yeah. yeah, with Bridget Wilson. And, and, yeah. and, and she's like, that's the wrong answer. And he goes, no, come on. What, like yeah, do, doing the strip right answer routine. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a joke that in the 90s was certainly done. Yeah. Uh, a few times um which brings us to the next scene with the telescoping and uh a scene that's straight out of tommy boy literally uh <laughs> with matthew perry spying on uh someone ba- on the indian woman bathing and then like chris farley shows up they, and he makes the masturbation like, jokes dude, they he show does that whole peeping tom thing like ass crack in this scene too yeah, like it's not even necessary at all like you could just see her like naked back and like a little bit of side boob and you'd be like oh okay this, that's what's going on in a nice like pg-13 movie they show like three quarters of an ass crack in this scene yeah and i've watched it twice now and it's both times i've seen it, it's kind of like jesus christ like what were they going for with this now the joke does pay off because he's spying on her farley comes up catches him and he's saying, like, you know, oh, what are you looking at through there? And he's like, you know, what I'm seeing through there is, like, the glory of God. It's like, you know, an angel from upon high. Check it out. And Farley looks through there. And it's just Eugene, Eugene Levy's, 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 like, Levy's. wide back and, like, <laughs> big hairy man ass. Yeah. And it's awful. I mean, it's just, it's so unfortunate. I don't even know if it's Levy himself. It's someone though that looks like they work underneath fucking cars that most looks of the good. week. Yeah, <laughs> I rewinded like that's more seven uh, or eight times yeah. after Farley showed He's up. He's got a VHS tape of this, and it's just all fuzz. Garrett, were you were you saying that before the recording that you didn't know that was Levy's ass when you were a little kid, and you just thought it was the chick from like a different, like less flattering angle, and that the tape was kind of worn out. And, I don't know what bit he's going and, for here. Well, no, the, the, the VCR would smoke and shit when your family would try to watch this tape. Yeah. That you were like, oh, I, did, I didn't realize that was Levy until this actual pass. <laughs> I can't tell if you're doing a joke or no, not. No, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a joke. That's what, that's what Garrett was telling me before that. You were in the other room eating pepperoni. And Garrett was... Uh, you were, the, you were definitely well, the no. one that walked in this room with a stack that's, like poker chips of pepperoni and cheese. You you're still have a stack right of pepperoni. I'm eating, I'm eating gum. Um, <laughs> that is, no. that is the yellowest Jack. gum I've ever seen. Well, it's bubble yum. <laughs> yeah, blow a bubble right now. It's good. It's, bubble, it's lemonade flavored bubble yum. It's good. I got it on eBay. Uh, uh, tw- like, no. 20 years expired, but it's still really good. No, it's cheddar flavored gum. <laughs> right. yeah, cheddar flavored bubble yum. All right, go ahead, though. Yeah, Eugene Levy's ass. You yeah, can take Eugene Levy's ass. ass you know the most about this. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah but then, you know, he makes uh, some... He, he sees uh, Shakina or whatever and then makes some, you know, oh, you want to shake hands with Ben Franklin? Literally just the Tommy Boy scene. Um, and then, mm. you know, walks off. Uh, and then it's Were the... Were you watching Spectre? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the same fucking scene, dude. It's... Yeah. So uh, they are definitely trying to capitalize on Tommy Boy. That is my uh, theory. Um, no, like no like, way. Yeah, like a fucking gr- guest Christopher Guest is just so out of it at this point. Like I fucking hate scripted movies. And Farley's like, what? Do, what do you think I should do? And it's like he's just over there smoking, like looking at a fucking like a runoff or like a ditch. And he's like, I don't know. Just do the jerk off joke from fucking Tommy Boy. Like just do that again. Yeah, I mean, so, and after should I do big guy little coat? 
Yeah, whatever you feel like, man. Yeah. Yeah, go to wardrobe and just tell them what you need, and I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, so... Go the, pretend to wear Matthew Perry's clothes. That'll be funny. Yeah, I don't know being. Uh, so. <laughs> Garrett's like, hold on. That's well, a good fucking bit. That's it. That's it. I'm going to write Look, that down. Gas just, like, takes one huge inhale. It, like, does... It chiefs half the cigarette, and he goes, why couldn't I have gotten Schwimmer? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Would Schwimmer have worked better? Here? No, no. I mean, the, I mean, the, the, if the goal is to make him even more of a straight man, then maybe. But nah, maybe, yeah, because Schwimmer, like when you think about Schwimmer and like Band of Brothers, he plays such a little like shit heel in that. I mean, he's perfectly cast as like a guy in command that's like a piece of shit. He's really he he works to great effect. Like when you use him, when you try to use him for like regular movies, though, like that, that Gwyneth Paltrow thing, the pallbearer from '97. When he's playing like an affable but you know likable protagonist, that doesn't work at all. I don't think anyone from Friends really works except for Aniston, right? Uh, Schwimmer's like too pretty of a Nick Cage. It doesn't make sense. She's too pretty of a Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to be up man. till four in the morning just like staring at the ceiling going, what does that mean? <laughs> the fuck does that mean? I'm so glad it's a weekend night and I have time to sleep tomorrow afternoon because of what you just Holy said. Shit. He's you sitting there rocked. rewinding Almost Heroes and he's just like, it doesn't make sense. He's got, look, he's got one screen Almost Heroes. He's got one screen band of brothers and yeah. he's got a third that's leaving yeah. las vegas he's like what i've got i've got breast men with david <laughs> schwimmer from hbo like 1996 pulled up no schwimmer schwimmer does not work in anything i mean i think matthew perry it's weird that matthew perry didn't have like an actual bankable career in movies or anything outside of friends it most certainly is not no because i mean th- i i would say that this is the thing that matthew perry works semi well and I, I guess like uh the whole nine yards he was okay in that the bruce willis movie yeah but that's more of like a violent comedy that was kind of like a late 90s thing i actually feel like he would have fit better acting more like what you would expect him to act like right like more like chandler from friends right in that he's channeling just more of a sarcastic sarcastic witty asshole but in yeah. this movie He's a goofball, you know, like he, he's a char- he's a caricature of a character and it, it, it almost seems like, and I'm sure it's because like I associate him as only Chandler. I only see him as being Chandler, but in the same way that I associate David Spade being the sarcastic asshole and all the farley movies that he's in. if the shoe fits man like just go with it that's what that's almost what i feel like is that like they should have just like why does his character need to be a goofball it doesn't need when to you've be. got an entire ensemble of goofballs exactly you, but but you end up cutting them anyway Th- this is yeah. 98 so it's like fuck it's not like if you try and put matthew perry in a slapstick you know comedy in like 2014 i mean this is in his prime so it's like Use the fucking guy. Go ahead and have him do the same shtick and everything. Just make him be a frontiersman in this movie. And it works, I think. Like, you don't need to make him adapt to anything else, to what the story is. Have him just bring what he's able to bring to the thing that you're trying to tell. Right. I almost feel like it needed more of a sarcastic, witty yeah. asshole element and less of yet another goofy character. Agreed. It, it, in the sense of, like... The balance is so far in goofy and wacky, right? With the ensemble, with Farley, with the 
premise and that they're losers and everything. Everything lends itself to being goofy. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. for his character to also be goofy is like, what did you need? Like, did you need that? Did you have to have that? Why does he also have to be a schmuck? You know, you know, it's funny you're saying all this and it's like when I watch it for the second time today, I don't even think that he's the weakest part of the movie. I think the weakest part is not what you're seeing on screen. It's more the editing. It's what happened behind the scenes. It's it's what got what didn't get kept. Yeah, there's there's so much you can tell that was supposed to be there and that didn't get kept. But it's also like the pacing of the editing, like jokes are not quick. They, when a joke happens, it cuts to like a very delayed reaction shot of somebody, and it's like sucks the air. Right, out. like how long does that tavern scene last? How long does that dentist scene last? Uh, yeah. It, uh, so, well, let's go ahead and get to that. Yeah, let's that's get pretty, to that. That's pretty. Like, the only thing of note between that is when David Packer's Bidwell starts getting, you know, his ear beaten off, his leg is chewed up by a bear, um, and then they, <laughs> which would be great if they just kept doing. Something. I know yeah, if they just we, if we, he was just yeah. a black knight by the end of it that would be I a know. wonderful bit so, so i did notice today they do one more thing at the very end but it doesn't pay off in any kind of way but no. yeah ba- basically a guy has gotten his ear bitten off he's gotten a leg chewed off by a bear and then they get to an he does outpost. get shot he gets shot in an arm like both arms basically end. yeah but, but uh yeah they get to this outpost and uh they uh Perry's gonna buy the group some some alcohol at the tavern. Doesn't want Farley to go because he's a drunk, so he goes to the uh, to the trading post. So this is where it starts <laughs> splitting off, and this is where the editing really fucking gets wonky. Yeah, um, because like the while they're having drinks. The, some guy comes over and is like, oh, you want some women, and you you boys want some women? See, th- this right here, this guy right here is where Fred Willard would have been perfect. He would have been a great It's just have a guy come in and ad-lib, like... Just a very tiny part. Just Yeah, just a quick, like, five-minute in-and-out kind of thing, and it's like, well, five-minute in-and-out is kind of what he's proposing there, is like, you know, you guys seem like you're, you're well-worn travelers and, and brave frontiersmen. This, like, this is like a reaction I love from the old man, Jackson, he's like, He's got women. And he's just like bouncing up oh, and yeah. down. Um, yeah, and so they all go out and follow him. And meanwhile, uh, Kevin Dunn as Hidalgo, Hidalgo. leads his leads his conquistadors into the crew, and he's like supposed to be crazy. He loves his hair, whatever. I, I would say the most miscast person in the movie is Kevin Dunn as Hidalgo, because Kevin Dunn is not known for like comedic roles. Kevin Dunn is known for playing like dads and uncles and judges and shit and being a squinty-eyed like guy from the bronx and i i think this is where like if you had gotten michael mckean from spinal tap and from like coneheads and all that a guy that like can inherently play just like shitheads and he can do accents he can do all that stuff he is just his face is comedic in a way that is like (laughs) inherent within that person's like anatomy and kevin dunn is not known for that like even kevin pollack would be a better fit than Kevin Dunn at this point. Because Kevin Dunn's just sort of like popping up in like fucking in like shitty PG movies. He's not like really known for much of anything. He's never like really cut a cloth on any like major roles. So getting someone that has just a funny face goes a long way with this. And he's not doing that. He's doing a poor man's like Princess Bride at this point. 
And he's the antagonist. Like, he's the lead antagonist of the movie. Which is what I... Kind of like a mistake, I think. Not just for having him, Having an antagonist having, at all? Yeah, having yeah. an... Like, I, I, this, brought, this is not a scene I have a problem with being, existing so much as... No. I think it should have been... An, like episodic, like the rest of the movie. It should have been a bit. It should have been a bit. Gone. The, the, the antagonist should be the situations, not a, a person necessarily. Exactly. Yeah. So they're going. Uh, so he shows up and he has his eyes on Shakina. And uh, this is where he has that moment with uh, Eugene Levy, who uh, he, he convinces Eugene Levy. Uh, it's like he'll either kill him or he can join him. And then what? He, he, then he gets the uh, Indian woman. And so this is kind of where Eugene Levy's character basically jumps ship. Yeah, and he, he, he comes in and he's like, hey, Eugene Levy, do you want to be Jim's dad for the next 20 years and do straight-to-video American Pie movies? And yeah. He's like, wee, wee. Wee, That was a good... Do you like that? I did I a thought... better job than both of those guys' accents. Okay. Probably. Can you do it I again? <laughs> yeah. I, Go for I, it. I, I, gotta, I gotta save something for later, guys. Okay. Give him a little more pepperoni. I, He'll get that. I, I, can't, I, can't blow, got... I can't blow all the Nas at once. I, I got <laughs> Okay. I gotta let you catch up a little bit. Uh, pepperoni up. Go go ahead. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, and then like Matthew Perry jumps up and he wants to, you know, stop him from taking uh, Shakina. And this is when it starts getting intercut with what Chris Farley's doing at the shopkeep, who is just a tradesman. He can do anything: cut your hair, give you a bath, pull your teeth. And Farley takes it all, and it's just intercutting with all can, of this. Can, can I tell you who I think would have been great for the shopkeep? Who? Fucking Chris Elliott, man. The guy, the guy oh, who yes. plays Hansel with the little hand from Scary Movie Two. He's, in, he's in something about Mary great. and all that. Having that guy in this role would have been fucking perfect. In fact, he's the guy uh, from Shit's Creek with Eugene Levy. He's yeah. he's excellent. He can play the grossest, weirdest, like most idiosyncratic characters ever. And they just get a guy who's serviceable. He's he's fine, but he's not funny. I mean, he's not doing anything like funny. Well, like this, this this entire bit is not funny. It's, like, well, it's, I, I, it's I do like the thing that oh, listen. I I did write this down. I do like it. I don't even need to like look it up because I remember this so well. The part where, like, Farley's saying, you know, I need a shave and a haircut. And he's like, well, you could also, you know, use a bath. And he's basically like, could I? And he's like, yeah, you smell like something that's been passed through the system of a sick old woman. And I, I do I do love that line. So, so when, I, when I say, like, the bit is not funny, yeah. I mean specifically the entirety of the dentistry thing. Oh, it's terrible. Because it's, it's yeah. just, it lasts so it long. Goes on well, it's like, it doesn't have it, it doesn't have any consequence with what's going on with Matthew no. Perry's. So, like, this is where it's cutting between that and it's hurting punchlines that are actually happening in the Matthew Perry thing. So, like, there's the the bit where Kevin Dunn's like uh, or Matthew Perry jumps up and he's like take me instead and Kevin Dunn goes put your hands on your yep. hips and he puts and, his hands on his hips and he's like no turn to the side yeah, like this like he's considering the, it between those sentences it cuts back to Farley so it just ruins it the just fucking doesn't need to be there right, yeah, right. Yeah. instead of like letting the joke actually be together letting it, just it breathe cuts, yeah, yeah. It just cuts back, and then now you've got yeah this pause between the jokes. Um, so and then like there's so you think that like 
I don't know, when they're doing the dentist bit, maybe he's going to come through the wall. And Exa- out. Right. Yeah, like, right. It will have some type <laughs> of incorporation in two. They end up in the street, and then he just shows up. <laughs> and, he just yeah, and he's in. like, wow, I thought dentistry was going to be painful. I've been avoiding it my whole life. And it's like, yeah, nope. It, no, it's painless. And it's like, okay, I guess the joke is they had like a rough and tumble, and he pulled the tooth out. I do like the bit, though, when he gets out of the bathtub, and you see the actual basin that he right. was in. And yeah, it's, it's just disgusting. And it just looks like, like, like a tub of horse cum basically and farley says something like yeah uh, some of those flies were already in it before that and it's like all right that halfway works but you you need to have some follow-up there you got to have a better bit especially a physical bit like you were saying to where yeah you see the front door and like maybe there's even like a rumble on it and it's like oh the door's gonna fly open and then the entire wall blows out and the two of them come tumbling out in the street they don't do any of that though like you literally have fucking chris farley like a guy that fights an eagle three times in 20 minutes and falls down a fucking tree. Like clearly you have the stuntmen and like the budget to pull this thing off and they just don't do it. And they keep cutting away from it's the issue of like focus on one thing or the other. Neither one of these things are that funny on their own. So the right, like, other it, thing that's going on in the city or uh, in this bit that they're cutting between that is actually a funny idea. Um, and even as fun, kind of funny on its own is the the prostitutes when he shows them the prostitutes, oh, yeah, and it's yeah. just like a room of straw women, uh, and like they're like, I thought you had real women in here, and he goes, these women may be whores, but I'm sure you they're as real as you or I. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's 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 not even like it's so funny that they're they're straw prostitutes. There's so many of them. Yeah, there's like, a why, lot. Why do you need, like, 15 of these things? Yeah. <laughs> because you're, you're selling these fucking things like hotcakes. You need so many of them. But just, like, structurally, this all seems like it could have worked better. Yeah. As if, like, they went into town and they were going to go th- see some women, perhaps. Right. And then Matthew Perry's like, oh... Well, if we're going to go see women, we need to get you cleaned up. And then you both go right. to the tradesmen, do the bath bit, maybe even get a teeth, uh, like a tooth pulled out or something like that. Yeah, whatever. Do your little physical something, bits. Some kind but of then at least the, both of them can I mean, be it, together and they can show back up with the rest of the crew. Because it, I would rather you could cut have, away. That would like be, if you're trying to create a bond for them and make a buddy comedy, like even uh, Shanghai Noon with Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan did that, where they take a bath together. Yeah, and like they right. have a right. bonding moment yeah, there, if right? Yeah, you, if you want to have moments in the movie where the two buddies actually become buddies, exactly. yeah, that'd be yeah. weird. Like the reading thing is the closest you ever exactly. get to that. Right, right, right. Or like the bonding yeah. over like some of the... The, the later stuff when or, that, that, like it almost seems like their friendship it, it doesn't really forced. make sense right it feels forced because they don't have those moments and I would have rather <sighs> they cut between Matthew Perry and Chris Farley being in the tradesman's section uh, or, or shop with the straw prostitutes and the crew because that's okay to cut but like you don't need matthew yeah, perry or it, chris farley crazy? there to have that joke the straw prostitutes which is like a long-running joke it's not a standalone like isolated joke at all you don't have perry or chris farley in those scenes in that one particular scene, you don't have either one of them. They're both doing their own thing. Perry's dealing with Hidalgo, and fucking Farley's dealing with the the you know the, the dentist right. guy, and the crew's dealing with this. So you could have reconvened and then gone to the tavern and done everything with Hidalgo. You know what really upsets me though is in that scene with the straw prostitutes, 
for one thing, they should not be that pretty. They shouldn't. <laughs> they shouldn't look that perfect. Because that was distracting. Because I had to pause the movie and go deal with some stuff. I'm really but, sick of falling in love watching these movies. Agreed. Yeah, me too. Agreed. Yeah, because at first I'm like. God, Perry's at his prime. And then the straw prostitute things hits, and it's like, I, I had to watch this in three sittings. And I couldn't sit down for most of it. So, the uh, to, to be real, though, in that scene, because Perry and Farley are not in Mike, it. Mike, is that straw in your pants? Don't don't worry about that, okay? <laughs> I, I was changing out the chicken coop today. Uh-huh. So, no, but what sucks is, is in that scene, who's third built? Who who do we have that could like maybe deliver some great fucking lines and actually get some character work in? Who's third build in, in the movie? In which scene? In the, in the in movie. The, in the it, straw it, prostitutes. In the, Bokeem Woodbine is third build in yeah. this movie, who has said a total of what two lines? Yeah, they this cut point? out so much of his. Bokeem Woodbine is sitting right there for those straw prostitute scenes, and he says nothing. There is nothing being delivered from him, and it's like this is the chance to give him something to do. He does nothing, and Bo, uh, Bokeem Woodbine, who is fucking ageless like the guy still looks the same now as he did back in like 1993 basically he's like 19 and 93 he does uh the Forrest Whitaker uh, HBO thing strapped he's really good in that then he does dead presidents for the Hughes brothers he's fucking awesome in that he does a few more things and then he's in this so he's he's not like new and then he's in Fargo season three and he's fucking amazing in that I mean, he's a guy that pops up, and when he pops up, he's always so, so good. He's in Sopranos for a minute. He says nothing <laughs> in this movie. He has three lines, I think, in total in this entire thing. Yeah. And he's in the straw prostitute scene. He's part of that crew and gets nothing to do. And you don't have your two majors there already, so, like, why not let him... Do something! D- right. Give right. him to do something. Like, he, he seems like a silly character, too. Like, in every situation where he does say something, he seems like the voice of reason. Right. Hey, he he's seems more, the, he's straight the straight man. Character right. in the entire movie. Like, yeah, he's it, the most rational one in the entire group because all the other people the, are wacky the or The joke weird. is, because he even says, like, when Farley's trying to read, like, the outpost sign, he's trying to read it, and he's, And he says, it says Snake's Bend. It says Snake's Bend outpost. And the joke is, is that, like, yeah, I'm a slave, but I am also extremely learned. I am not a fucking idiot at all. I'm smarter than everyone that I'm around, and they don't do anything with it the entire runtime. It's almost like... It, it, it would be like if you watch like an independent movie or something that De Niro's in and he's like third build. So it's like, oh, he's not the lead in it, but he's in the movie and he doesn't say anything. Kind of like Jackie Brown, the Quentin Tarantino thing where, yeah, he's in that movie, but he doesn't say a lot. He's almost like kind of just in the background. But when he does say something, it really has some weight to it. He is important in the role. This is the opposite. Woodbine has nothing <laughs> to contribute in this fucking movie. And it's upsetting because I feel like Woodbine would really shine in a scene with straw prostitutes. I've always thought that about the guy. <laughs> it, it almost, it, you saying this almost makes me think. That's the joke. That's that's my entire Woodbine bit yeah. is I just wanted to get into the straw prostitutes and like, why, okay. couldn't, he, why couldn't he shine like the sun here? <laughs> the, the, but hearing you say this uh, and thinking about his character in this movie makes me feel that like, well, damn, he, his character and Chris Farley's characters really should have been the buddies in this buddy cop travel movie right essentially because like they can commiserate and because they don't relate to perry 
He, right, right. One like, is Perry's slave, and the other one is like his like his track his his, yeah, his, his yeah, tracker. His, yeah. his tracker. It, but like Perry could have his character, not you know Perry himself, but like his character could have taken a back seat, and it could have been about the slave of the man and the tracker of the man that were taken along on this journey instead and he could have been the straight man and chris farley could still be yes. the wacky weirdo but it still would make more sense because the rest of the cast is a bunch of fucking goofballs right right and, it, and it's like why why are why are you with this guy and it's like because if i wasn't with this guy who's a fucking idiot but he happens to be white and he's of status he'd be dead like, if I wasn't with this guy who's an idiot... He's the one keeping him alive. Yeah, I am keeping this guy alive because if I wasn't with him, I'd be with someone of intelligence that was also cruel, and I may have a real fucking hard life. So if they made some kind of, like, humane moment of that, of, well, there's a good reason why he sticks with Matthew Perry. But it's also, like, I am the thing that keeps this guy out of fucking trouble, even though, like, I'm his manservant. They don't do anything with that. Right. They they don't. And it would be an entirely different movie than, obviously, the one that we watched. But yeah, it, getting, big... getting, getting back to the movie that we watched, they have the straw prostitute scene. They have the whole trade post scene. They have the tavern scene. And that basically sets up it all go to come back I, yeah which, i mean which is it, it could have been yeah it could have been a one and done but you know after this this is when they have to like go up the mountains and they go up these snowy mountains and uh, uh well, well when they're when they're selling there i do like this joke that pratt has who we haven't talked about pratt much but i, I like him uh but he, he's like they're on the boat and he's he comes up to perry he's like Got permission to go check on my woman sir and he goes you you realize that she's made of straw. He's like, oh, yes, sir. I, I figured that's why she burned so quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do like Pratt, because Pratt, Pratt is like the guy that they keep recalling the straw prostitute thing for. Yeah. They keep the because joke running he's actually, for a while. He, because he actually has good bits. Taste. And good he does. Fun. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Wait, what would you say? <laughs> because just like some of the other ensemble characters, he has good recurring is, bits is that Pratt, Is Pratt the one that walks out of the room with a straw prostitute? Because the yeah. guy's no, at the door no, and no, he's got like the stopwatch. Higgins, Higgins okay. walks out. H- Pratt Higgins. is the one that's had that burned the place down and he saved his prostitute. Well, Higgins walks out and he's like, you know, it's never happened before darling and it's like of course my brain is going like why even she's made of straw it doesn't matter just just, straw in his pants just slap it around on her straw for a while until (laughs) it's ticklish and call it a fucking day like what difference does it make so i'm I'm trying to like be the voice of reason when i'm watching this and there's just none to be found in these characters what were we talking about (laughs) (laughs) you know there's none to be found because love doesn't make sense you're the only person i was thinking of when i saw this scene yeah Uh, they were so pretty though for real like i I, had lipstick on they had lipstick on i mean they were dressed to the nine i mean they that one in the fact they had heads made me feel great yeah and Okay, <laughs> I was gonna make a fat one joke. I gotta piss so bad, dude. dude. I have to dude, piss so bad. Okay, all right, all right. Mike, this is Garrett. Everyone's gone to the bathroom, and I just want you to know that you're fucking dumb. Your dick don't work, and it's only point two inches. Um, yeah. So and then after uh, Snake Spin, they get to a mountain. They can't uh, go 
through the river anymore, so they got to go up the mountain. Uh, and it's uh, snowy, and everyone's really cold. Pratt is eating his straw woman. He's the I, only I, one I, that has anything to eat. I think they're doing like a Donner Pottery, a, a Donner <laughs> yeah, Party Donner kind party. of thing, yeah. but like they don't really lean into it that hard. Like this is where they should be That's doing. Another thing where it's like they don't really commit to it. Well, it's like, almost like they should be eating the arm off or the leg off of what's his name, Pratt. Yeah, like when you see them, they're just walking around. It's not even a fire. It, the fire looks like it's gone out, but they're just walking in a circle. It's like it's like a fire from like a high school play. Yeah, of like yeah, they didn't want to actually make yeah. a fire. Like but you're not there really sure what there. they're doing. I guess they're walking to keep themselves warm. I don't I know. We're not allowed to set fire on the stage. We have to do it outside. That's thing. right. Yeah. My mom says if it's okay with your mom that we can actually use matches, but we can't light the fire. My oh, mom's really? good. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Matthew Perry gets sick. Uh, comes down with some illness and Shakina tells Farley that she needs an eagle's egg. He's like, well, the last critters we saw were way below the snow line, so he's got to go all the way down the mountain and look for an eagle. He does have to do his fat man. Oh, he he does. He does a a fatty fall down. stops early? Like, you just keep watching the little bit before it, like, does its crossfade. It's upsetting because, like, a a stuntman, like, had to still do this. It's not like they just rolled a fucking straw doll down the hill. (laughs) I guess they had straw processes. They could have just rolled one of those down, but they had to put a lot of straw in there for Farley. And it, he rolls like three times and it starts getting up. It's terrible. It doesn't like he, even he, finish before the cross He fade. walks up to like the side of a cliff and like puts his rifle butt down or whatever. Like, ah, oh, like what a sight. And Amelia just, whoa, and starts rolling down the side like a pratfall. It doesn't work at all. And then he's just sort of inexplicably down there by the tree with the eagle's nest in it. Yeah, well... It- you assume he's walking for a while, I guess. But uh, yeah, he's in a very sunny area then, and he's uh, walking long enough to get hungry. Yeah, he walking. So then, thus begins like a at least a ten minute bit of of him like trying to get an eagle's egg, and it's very uh, yeah. So he finds the eagle's nest, climbs up there, and then an eagle attacks him, and he does the most cartoonish face though at the camera, where it's just like yeah, he, he turns his head and like snaps to attention. He looks like a. It looks like a cartoon character or like something out of like he's still in SNL or something. I, I guess I, when it, he does it, that. Honestly, it feels just like that. It feels like he's up there and he's like, all right, now what do I do? And someone just yelled out like, Eagle. Not, not, yeah, not Christopher Guest because he had just given up at this point. It was like an assistant director who's like, and now an eagle's coming. And uh-oh, you, you, you better react because this could be bad. And he's just going, oh, and they do this three times over the next yeah. 10 he minutes. He fights an eagle. He falls down, or the stuntman falls down. falls all the way down the tree. But he's got the egg, and then he gets hungry. He gets hungry. Because he, he stopped. Like, this uh, is, this is why. God. The, not that, like, so lazy. this is the movie to, like, start pulling out logistics on and, and being frustrated with things not making sense. It's an Elmer I, Fudd it's, move, though. It's of just stu- like, like of course I tricked just, myself. I'm so stupid. Right. It, of course, it's it's wacky and dumb. And I know that it's not trying to be serious. But like the whole this whole part of the movie is supposed to be like kind of in some type of like seriousness. There's supposed to be some urgency. There's supposed to be some urgency in that 
you know, they have a moment where she has a conversation where like he needs help. Or this is the like he's the, the end of this Act the, Two struggle. Like right. this is to be leading into like the final act. This is the moment where it kind of gets low for a second, where right. you buckle down and kind of get a little serious. desperate. Measures. This is again, it's right. like checklist. We know we need this in the script, uh, so this is what this have is. to have some and kind of conflict. Put, yeah. and, but right. they put a, a Farley bit, and this is one of the things that you know. And like, so even though there's this urgency to get back and hurry up, he. He stops to make camp and make breakfast. Well, he yeah. just climbed a whole tree, you know. He, he also takes time to hunt a boar. Oh, so this is the okay, next so one. So he, he hunts the boar, and then he immediately just has bacon. Well, okay, so yeah, so so he he climbs the tree again after he eats the egg. He gets another egg, gets attacked again, and then he's looking at the egg and he's like, "No, I can't. I already ate one egg." So he immediately finds a boar, shoots it, and has bacon going. Yeah, it's, it's like video and game logic. He has, yeah, he has like an entire bacon boar. <laughs> yeah. like he has an entire bacon. boar yeah. to eat, and he's like, well, you can't have bacon without an egg. I have an egg with me. Oh. So he makes the it's egg. It's almost like that's the joke. Is that's that the joke. Of an entire boar. Right. He only gets two strips of bacon, and you <laughs> well, the gotta rest of that's have eggs good. with it. Yeah. That's the only... That's so fucking, he, he climbs the fucking tree for the third, third time. time. I mean, this is a 10 minute It's a bit. so long. It's such a long bit. This and is I an guess hour like, and a half movie. So part it, of me wants to say that like the length and repetitiveness of the bit is what makes it funny almost. I, 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 I think it's what they're going for. Yeah, well, like that, that, the length and repetitiveness of it is the only thing that makes the joke at the end of it funny. Yeah. But it's frustratingly exactly that funny that you get there. The thing is, they don't really like comedy comes in threes. They do it three <laughs> times, but on the third time, it should change. There me, should let, be something different that happens at the end, but nothing. Let me there's frame not like it. a difference Look, in the way there, the eagle. There's a way him. to frame it. You know that whole thing about Silence <laughs> of the Lambs with Hannibal Lecter, and it's like. You just assume he's in most of the movie. And it's like, Anthony Hopkins is in that movie for like 11 minutes and 45 seconds or something like that. It's not much screen time, but it's so impactful that it's like, that's what you remember about the movie besides a guy tucking his cock back. Yeah. This eagle bit it's is the thing you remember. almost as long as Hannibal Lecter <laughs> is in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Like this is the Listen, this is if, like if the, you if you Google almost heroes right now that him climbing the tree is going to be one of the top images I guarantee and it's going to be one of the only images and it'll be a merciful one because Matthew Perry is not in this scene <laughs> but it is the inverse of the Hannibal Lecter like eleven minutes you know phenomenon thing to where yeah a, a, a there is a a budget that has been put aside for Farley to climb a fake fucking tree yes. it's just another thing by like, a fake eagle cut. Cut Farley stuff. You've got to cut his and it like even according to Farley's assistant, Farley wished that they would have cut his stuff while they were doing it. Like, right, it's not his fault that no. so much of the no, movie no, or these no. dumbass. He didn't bits. want to, you know, he he doesn't he doesn't want to do the fatty fall downs or right. anything. He doesn't so, want to be the fat joke guy. Exactly. So right? it's it's yeah. absolutely not his fault that nothing but the studio. Yeah, they, they're like, behind well, like, oh, that's funny. This is going to be a Farley yeah, comedy This is going to be a we funny Farley comedy. Yeah, no. But, like, that's the thing is 10 over 10% of the fucking movie is this eagle in a tree bit. Yeah, a fat guy in a tree. I mean, this would be like if they hired Garrett and they were like, spend most of your time in a tree trying to get an eagle's egg. 
You so. can't have two eagles in the same scene. <laughs> okay. I, it was a fat joke. I wasn't going for a bird joke. But. Yeah, yeah, if you no. were a bird, also, you would not be a fucking eagle. You are no. a pheasant. Well, no. some days I'm an eagle, some days I'm a sparrow. Oh, every day I hate you. You know what bird you, you, know what bird you are? One of the fucking biggest one is. Cause, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Like, you yeah. are just... I saw you a week ago, and you look petite compared to how you look now. You are letting it slip, brother. I, it used to be a joke. I know I said I was going to try to give you some sort of dysmorphia this year. I'm telling you, in actuality, you look bad. <laughs> you are looking real bad. So... So there's an eagle scene. He takes the egg back, finally. How tasty did it look? And pretty good. Yeah, it did look pretty good. They did a good yeah, job. Yeah, it looked like that. a fine, uh, I guess... Uh, Cannibalistic act. Yeah, so he takes the Is egg back. Is depressed and she... now? Not I, like we were, when we were talking about leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, so, but he only needed the show. That's the bit. That's I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. Um, he gets no, back it, to the camp. He brings the eagle's egg, and Shakina delivers the entire relief of this entire fucking 10-minute bit, yeah. which is... Oh, I just needed the shell. Which oh, is, well, he, yeah. He, he still, has, is he still strange, has a fat guy fall, like She's though. making a pace, but she needs the shell. And I... It, well, it he, did, he, he does do the whoa, the wacky fall. Yeah, he fall, does fall down again. He grabs the egg, and he's like, so, phew, and then she cracks the egg. That's it, and it works, and then it has like a, when she gives him the med- Perry the medicine, Perry has this really not good reaction, like acting to the medicine where he's just like gasping for air and it's doing like an Bugs, exorcist Bugs move. It's Bunny when he drinks the tonic. Yeah. And he's going like all, it's like, like that, again... Guess is probably checked out at this point, so it's probably like the DP or somebody is like, I'm just gonna pick up some stuff. Hey, Perry, just like move around and make funny noises. Yeah. Like act like you're a snorkeling or straight something. man stuff. Yeah, so yeah, straight man yeah. stuff. So then after that, um, you know, we can skip ahead a little bit to where uh, the there's not the too end. much. Yeah, <laughs> there's not too much left. They pass the actual Lewis and Clark. Um, see they, their they group. Go, they go they down look some like rapids. the actual heroes. Well, okay, so the rapids scene when they're going down the rapids. Is this supposed to be funny? Because they're on like this like 1940s. Yeah, like rear projection thing yeah, going on. Yeah, and they're just sort of like tossing buckets of water on the actors. Yeah. But it's yeah. not funny and there's no sense of peril. So I no. don't know because what it's they're... A con- yeah, like you don't, you know nothing bad is going to happen. No, and yeah. it, it's, 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 it's not okay. so bad that it's funny sort of well, aesthetic. I did have a question on this thing. Does it look like to you that people actually went over a waterfall when they do that wide shot? There are people Kind of. It doesn't I, look like dummies. I, 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 I mean, it, yeah, it doesn't quite... Maybe it is dummies. <coughs> it doesn't... It looks like they move more than a They, dog, they look dumb. pretty nimble. I'm not sure what that was. Yeah, I would... I mean, maybe they use Bokeem Woodbine for that scene because they don't use him for anything else. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, that, I'll go over a fucking waterfall if it means like... Yeah, that was my, the last thing build. he shot. I don't know, man. I but don't yeah, know. It, 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 that's weird. The only thing It's it such a strange like, shot, and every time I see him, I'm like, what did they do it here? It looks like they actually used a stuntman for that. I wouldn't be surprised, like in the late 90s. You just... literally have str- 12 straw prostitutes laying around like mm-hmm. in a prop room, and they, they send an actual <laughs> stuntman to his death. Mike, you know they're heroes. not actual prostitutes, right? Like, they're just straw No, I know, th- I know they're just actual they're women. They're women. That, you know... <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure are lovely and amazing and have lots of fine attributes, but they're they have personalities. They're act, damn yeah, it, they're acting, yeah. and yeah, you can't just stab them up. So, so 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. No, Finish anyway. my thought. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first funny part of this entire conversation. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, they lay, they land, and then you have the very contrived, uh, the group is going to split up because Matthew Perry didn't listen to Farley, and so now they're yawning at each other. God, and, we've been talking about this for so long. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, look, so, I'm, I'm racing that through in my head. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm racing I'm sorry. through it. I'm racing through it. I know you want to get to Kids in the Hall, but... <laughs> I don't. I don't. I want to get to the song, but... Uh, he just wants to go I just, home. I just want to go home. Fuck, man. I'm so, like Bokeem Woodbine at this point. Like, can we just fucking be done with this, man? <laughs> What I am want, I doing here? I want to cover my... Look, I've been thorough with this, okay? <laughs> you you have... I thought we were done with this after the first 20 minutes. I was like, oh, okay, we talked about the movie. And then you said, all right, so let's get into the story. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. What do you want to talk about, Dalton? We don't have I to talk about the talk movie about, anymore. <laughs> I want to talk about that egg eagle scene in the tree. Didn't we already do that? We, yeah, talked, but, about, we talked about it longer the, the, than the scene happens. Yeah, for. but that's my favorite part. <laughs> what to favorite part about that? How many nuances are he, there that we missed? He saw it's... the egg and he ate the egg. And... Hey, Mike, I don't know if you saw this, but he eated the egg. Yeah, and I saw he it. had to I... have bacon I... and egg. Yeah, I watched he, this movie. He tried twice. to eat a pine cone and he's like, nah, that's not egg. The fact oh, that you God. the fact that you watched this twice, I'm uh, fucking amazed. Well, you know I watched what? it three times. I, I, what yeah, the he did. fuck are y'all doing? <laughs> Listen, I watched it once two weeks ago because I thought we were going to record two in a day. And then I'm like, I don't really remember enough about this dog shit movie to say much about it. So today, while I was doing other stuff, I'm like, I'll I'll, you know, clean house a little bit. I'll edit some and I'll put the movie on. And as I'm editing, I'm kind of listening to it and sort of side glancing. And I'm like, am I missing anything here? And it's like, no, I actually remembered this entire thing. It's just not good. It's just not funny. It's kind of like like a relationship you had years and years ago where you're like, I barely remember that person. And then if you were to actually go back and look, it's like, no, I remember everything. There's just nothing noteworthy. There's just nothing that I'm that fond yeah, of here. Well, when I remember when I watched it <laughs> for the first time, and it wasn't the first time, but the first time for this episode, when yeah. I, uh, like a it was a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and what I was surprised because I hadn't I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, and so I was surprised with how I knew every fucking scene. And I was like, I don't think I watched it that much. But I mean, you know, I, maybe I, I stuck. It was just something that was on the TV in the background or whatever. But yeah, I do. Yeah, rolling in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like every, I was like, oh yeah, I, I remember all of this. Uh, every every little scene, really. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm sorry. I keep coughing. By the way, I'm trying to fucking hold it in between you guys. No, that's all right. We're gonna cut you out of this episode anyway. That, yeah. that you know what? That'd be the biggest fucking mistake of your life because it'd be just um, like almost heroes cutting all those ensembles. yeah yeah cut all the good uh, yeah. parts yeah. yeah yeah dalton's our bokeem woodbine thank yeah. you yeah, i'm so glad he someone ju- he just occasionally it. coughs on here well we, we'll just uh we, we can't skip ahead i do just the only thing that i really want to mention is about the ending um, so they do the conquistador thing. And it's you just mean like, you mean as a highlight you, that it does end? Are you talking about the fight scene? No, with like no, the no, whole, no, oh I, I, no, no. Let's no. skip all that. No, and then I'm gonna the, skip the all that because Indians that's a very, and the corn. It's like and, we had. I mean, anything 
when you're doing a climax God. for a comedy, do you really have to lean in to try and be an actual story? I don't know. No! Um, this is like like in Dumb and Dumber after the diarrhea scene, they have the whole plot about like the people that are extorting Mary. Yeah, there's always something. And it's like, we don't need any of this. We don't need it. Um, yeah, but it's it's the start, part after that at the beach. And uh, when they, they go down, of course, you have like the repetition of the eagle. And this scene was reshot. Um, cause it, <laughs> because it didn't look real enough. Probably, yeah. Well, not not the eagle part. No, the, but the, the first the, time they did it, it was funny. And they were like, we yeah. got to redo this. <laughs> but the, the ending beach part was reshot. Uh, and you notice that Wo- uh, Bokeem Woodbine's not even in this scene. He just disappears for some reason. No, I didn't notice because I just got used to it. Exactly. So. I know. He's, uh, but phys- physically, he's not there. Um, he never existed. Uh, he's a ghost boy. Uh, but I could have sworn that I remember... Uh, when I had watched this as a child, I could have sworn this ended differently. That it ended with them like getting there, and Farley plants the flag, and then they realize that Lewis and Clark had already beat them, and that's why it's called Almost Heroes. So like, God, that I, would make sense. Yeah. So like, when I watched this again, and they actually beat Lewis and Clark, I was like, what? conversion did i watch you know what though when lewis and clark show up at the end because why does it call why is it called almost heroes like they beat them maybe there's a cut scene where they just knock their flag over and put their own in that's funny what would be (laughs) funny is like lewis and clark are in the movie because the first time i watched it and then before i watched it today again i was thinking like you never actually see lewis and clark Ever. I mean, you see them at the end, like from afar. You see them twice at the end you, in well, wide shots. You, you see them when they pass them on the river, too, because you see yeah. Lewis and Clark with Sacagawea. Yes. And you see their faces, and it's like, why wouldn't you get two comedic actors to be Lewis and Clark? Like like, like Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. I mean, not exactly, but something of that equivalent of like, there, there are two guys that are like the better explorers that have some really funny lines and they're one-upping Matthew Perry. And you, would, you would get like comedic actors. Get David Spade and someone else. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I, would, I mean, that you could, have you Jeff Goldblum. Get someone who can deliver five good get lines. Get someone that's a comedic actor but also looks like a leading man. Yeah. Like they, they look like they're in a real movie. Even get Schwimmer in there as one of them, you know, where yeah. it's like, uh, it's a friend's joke. I get it. They're, they're doing, David Spade and Schwimmer are Lewis and Clark or something. And Sacagawea is another yeah. like famous person. But I, I imagine this movie is like, uh, you know, I thought it was, uh, it's a movie about lo- losers. And I always remembered that ending differently so i i don't know if that's like a lost ending but i, I couldn't find it well the losing Maybe part is that they all continue on together to walk <laughs> over <laughs> alaska yeah. or I mean, whatever the if, it, the, if there was the a mandela effect that i preferred it's that this movie never existed <laughs> you know it's like it's like that movie with um, chris farley and matthew perry and everyone just looks at you like i don't think that exists and it's like it just barely does i it's mean barely you, a yeah, thing like that this, it actually happened it, it is the forgotten uh farley and christopher guest movie so it, with the weirdest part is it's a christopher guest movie because i mean yeah. a, after but this he's like it's right between this. yeah it's right between guffman and, and best show. show which are you know very top tier comedies so and then you've got this so do you, do you want to hear what the budget was for this because it was like you, what 30 million 30 million is what it costs yeah 29 of that was the straw women <laughs> <laughs> well spent i'd say uh Best do, investment. do you want to hear what it made worldwide this is worldwide 2000 <laughs> they were all mike check this out check this out six million do you know what farley got paid six million the entire worldwide budget 
went to a guy that died before this thing came out. Holy. Yes. This thing was an utter abject fucking failure. And that was all she wrote on this. And that's why... Wait, wait, wait. That's before that... He he died before no, it, was, it even came out. He yeah, died. He, he died seven months out. before it came Holy out. Holy shit! That's even more startling because you would think that his death would push Correct. people to go see that's a movie. That's what I was saying that, in the in the beginning. Like the, no one came and saw this, even though no. he had been dead for a while, and this is his last leading movie. You oh, would think, I thought you said he he died seven months after. No, no, oh, before. No. So like there oh, was a, there was no what press. There was no press for this movie. If you try, I try and research and find like some interviews or something. The only thing you can find is like this interview Matthew Perry did, but it's not about the movie. It's about like Farley's uh, substance abuse. Um, And then it's like, it might be, I think it's a footnote in one of Farley's uh, uh, biographies. Um, But yeah. Could this guy be any higher? Yeah. So, I mean, that's his autobiography, is Matthew Perry's. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Someone say something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, well, I, you deserve that dead air. Yeah, you need that. Oh, come on. Yeah, no, where don't, that. Hey, don't you wood bind me? <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, no. It's it was a it was a big flop and like huge. You would think that after a, I was at the peak of his uh, star power. Both you, of theirs. Yeah, you would think that yeah. would drive, but the studio just didn't push it. Um, no. And like they, they, there was also that thing with. Uh, Siskel and Ebert. Siskel and Ebert. Um, yeah. They did not let them see a preview screening of it, so they couldn't review it because they were both they both notoriously hated everything that Farley was in, and yeah. they, out of respect for the family, they say, uh, didn't want them to have a negative review. Something that they just knew was going to be negative. No, uh, I mean, which, about which this movie. anything. I mean, like they didn't like Tommy Boy or any of that. I mean, the stuff that was actually. Ebert, decent. Yeah, Siskel straight up hated Farley, but Ebert has an opinion that I do agree with. Is that like he's not? He has not been given a script or a project that he works for yet. Correct, and, and that's I, I, I that's think what, I think why I like that we got to land on this movie because it's like he was right at that point where he was probably about to transition if. If you know, he got his doing shit. Fat yeah. Man Falling, because exactly. yeah. Farley into something else. Farley worshipped Belushi, and he worshipped Candy, two other guys that died in their prime, but had done good work. I mean, Belushi had done some a lot of Fat Guy Falling stuff for SNL, but he had done the Blues Brothers, and he even did that weird ass movie with Dan Aykroyd, uh, Neighbors, which is a really fucking weird movie. And Belushi's playing a straight guy. But Candy, say what you want about Candy, a lot of straight-up comedies, but then Candy does stuff like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, where there is a lot of heart and a lot of pathos. Did a John Hughes movie. So Farley never got that. He never got to do one of those movies. Um, I think Farley works best when he's not even the lead in anything. I think Farley's the funniest when he's in something like Coneheads or something like uh, Billy Madison, even Dirty Work. And Even Dirty Work, which is technically his last movie. That comes out after this movie. It's the Bob Saget-directed movie with Norm MacDonald and Artie Lang, and it's fucking hilarious. It is like an all-time like late 90s raunchy classic. And he plays a guy who's had his nose bitten off by a Saigon whore. And he fuck, he's got about five minutes in that movie, and he's fucking great in it. So in, in my heart of hearts, I don't consider Almost Famous to be his last movie. I think it's still dirty work. What's Almost Famous? 
Or, and I'm sorry, I keep almost saying heroes. almost famous, and I'm it, it, it it does have the distinction of being less popular than almost famous and having almost an identical name. God, I keep and like you I, could I have called that. this movie almost famous, and it would have meant the same thing. I have literally like typed notes out and written almost famous, and like had to go back and change them because yeah, I keep wanting to say that because you're right. Like they they are sort of a one for one, almost heroes and almost famous. Almost famous is that movie from 2000 with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and fucking patrick fugit and all that the the, the guy the guy that covers like the the rock band from the 60s he's doing like a rolling stone cover thing with kate hudson this is not that and that's not a great movie either but i i don't know like any closing notes because we there are there are gonna be other farley movies i'm sure we'll cover at some point but this is not one of the high notes for farley to me i feel like my my main takeaway from the movie is just that like it probably could have been funny cut differently yeah i i I think if you had just let there be more of this wacky ensemble and let the scenes breathe man and and, yeah and kind of like omit some stuff or just rearrange some stuff it could have been a lot better and not that like as i after i finished the movie i was like well that was a piece of shit i just thought oh okay it's a goofy movie like it was just nothing it it wasn't like something i would ever want to watch again literally turn your brain off right but it was something that it's like oh i want to see a guy fall down and act like he's all hopped up yeah you know what that's that that's all it was but i also think you know it it would have done a lot better for itself if he had been playing across from someone who was just all business, all sarcasm, yeah. and all wit, and not just a complete cast of goofball characters. Yeah. Other than the one, the, the, I'm sorry, what is her name? The Indian woman? Uh, Shakina. Shakina. Shakina's like the most serious character in it, but yeah. she doesn't really even she get adds, any lines she adds nothing until, she does not, until yeah, she does later nothing. in the movie when she, after Eugene Levy exits. It's it's almost kind of mm. insulting because, I mean, she's supposed to just basically be eye candy. She adds nothing. They should have just gotten someone who, yeah, I mean, she's an attractive actress or whatever, but also has some kind of rapport within film. Or just given her lines something, that like, mattered, Give right? her something to do give her some kind of agency like give her something to work with here because she does nothing but be like the object of affection for farley i mean for everyone for, in the movie. for matthew perry for yeah, matthew yeah, perry yeah. and for yeah for yeah. i mean for anyone around her it's it's kind of it's it's not a very progressive movie in terms of the lead actress no no, no but that that's i guess that's really all i have to say about it is just that like it it probably is one of those movies that really got crippled in the editing room and was subjected to a lot of like, Oh no, we know what'll be funny for this. Yeah. It's it's made by studio executives. Right. I I feel like, okay. So you know how, when you watch a horror movie or an action movie and it is a PG 13 movie, but when you watch it, you can kind of tell like, Oh, there's an R-rated cut of this. Like they, right. they're they're pulling back and they're cutting gear and they're cutting there. You so think there's a funny cut of this movie? What I'm saying well, is, uh, is this movie feels like it should be a hard PG-13 where they drop sure. fuck once, or or there's a lot more like language or coarseness to it. But instead, it's almost like the executives were saying, "What if we pulled back and made this a hard PG movie?" Because like I was saying earlier, it almost feels kind of like one of those Disney movies where. 
instead of this being where people say butt instead of ass because that's literally like in the movie like yeah. you hear you know the next guy to do this is gonna get a, a lead ball in their in their butt or they and it's say like buttocks whoa okay all right yeah that, that's what he says in the beginning when he's being hung yeah he's like kiss my hairy buttocks yeah when i'm when i'm going down to the depths of hell and they lower my body Make sure to kiss my big buttocks. And it's like, yeah, it's like make sure to kiss really my ass. Really just would have been better if you said ass. Just though, say right? ass. Like, especially with, like, the way Farley can deliver, like, these big, <clears throat> booming deliveries. Yeah. So it feels like a movie that they were sort of saying, like, can we just edit it down to where it can be more for, like, 11-year-olds. Like, pre-teens, basically. Kind of like heavyweights sure. to where, like... This is a movie that's not hard enough for teenagers, but it's a little bit harder than like what most 10-year-olds are used to. It just doesn't really feel like it's for anyone, and the talent you've got there, especially with Christopher Guest, this should be doing a lot more. This should have been great. And Guest, I think, realizes the writing's on the wall pretty quick with this, and he's like, I'm going to fucking stay as far away from studios as I can, and I'm going to like get great people that I don't even need to like write lines for. They can literally just show up, we put a camera on them, and it's like, just let them talk. Just let them talk until we have, like, five great takes, and then we'll use the best one. Because that's what the guy's career is after this, is you, you don't need a whole lot of setup. You just you, need delivery. You really could have treated this movie like just sketch after sketch. You know, yep. you don't need to keep doing, like, nope. this overarching story. Like, as long as they're heading towards the coast, yeah, that's, that's the all only, the story you need. You don't need an antagonist. And there's no. a bunch of vignettes of, like, misadventures on the Right, on yeah. The it's just, like, put them in a scenario, and now what's the bit? Like, that's it. You can have callbacks and everything. The straw uh, prostitutes, the callback to him... Um, being dirty or like Matthew Perry being uppity and everything like that's that's fine you can you can do all those things and repeat those jokes even the eagle is as silly as it is and how much it should have been cut down to shorten that ridiculous block of time that we devote yeah. but I mean, what like it would be better if there was like that eagle bit was stretched out over the whole movie, and it's like one specific eagle is following them across the right. country. Yeah, sure, exactly, exactly. Right. You could have had like you could have had events that play out repeatedly. You could have had all the men be on yeah. edge a lot of the time, and just you could have done it three times throughout the movie where they just firing squad a random tree or whatever, yep. you know, just something goofy and stupid. I, th I think like this movie would have been good with a, with better editing. It could have been great with one more pass of that script. One more scene of Eugene Levy's ass. Uh, I would say two, two more scenes. Yeah. So kind of like the Eagle bit, like have, have it be like a repeat bit, like maybe every thirty minutes to kind of keep your interest. Yeah, yeah, keep you on, keep you on the edge of your seat yeah, and like, like practically every, standing up. Right, every thirty or forty minutes, just so I stay hard. What? Oh, you you broke? <laughs> oh shit! Did you catch that? Yeah, he did. Hey, let me ask you this. Look, look, I, I, look. I didn't realize that we were in a bit for like the first. See, for this the is what a bit is: is just you let it breathe for a minute, and then you give it thirty minutes, and then you come right back full force. Yeah. Let me ask you this: Have we been talking about this? fucking movie longer than the actual runtime yes. yes god damn it all right well they win all right <laughs> all right change it there's the cookie crisp mega mixer mixing up lots and lots of little chocolate chip cookie cereal that's more for us just don't say oh, 
You're boring me. I'm cutting your head. I'm cutting your head. Hey, I just renamed your firm Merrill Lynch and the Flathead. I cut you. All right. Uh, for this week, we rolled for our TV episode, uh, Kids in the Hall, um, a sketch uh, comedy show from Canada from 1988, 89 to 95, uh, with Dave Foley and Scott Thompson. Um, what do we cover? Episode five. It was uh, season five, episode three, I think. Yeah, something like that. I basically just looked up to see like what the best episodes were because I haven't seen this shit in forever, and uh, this was like the top, the top one. Um. Let me just ask you guys right out of the gate, what did you... Because you had no idea what this thing was at all, right? No. What did you think of it? I don't like it. You don't like it? No, it's fine. It's, it's Yeah. Yeah. It's probably not something I would have ever watched, but yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's pretty hit or miss. It's extremely hit or miss, and um, this was something that I would see a lot when I was a kid, mainly like at my dad's house during the summertime, because it would come on... Not like during primetime hours. It would come on at like 3 o'clock on Comedy Central or something. It would come on like yeah. at weird times because it was already established. It had kind of made the rounds. But it was a very like alternative sketch comedy show. Um, I, I think it's something akin to like Pete and Pete for Nickelodeon. To where it mm. is so strange and unspecific that it's like... It's likable, but it's not really for anyone in particular. It's this, doing its own thing. Completely. This feels like a um, uh, from something that I actually did watch growing up. This feels more like a precursor to Why Does Kids You Know? Yeah, the way that yeah, it's that's built good and structured. The way that like it's got the ti- that title sequence, the segues, yeah. um, and also like both comedy troops don't have any idea how to end the skit. <laughs> They have no idea how to end the sketch, and then they also, like, raffle and wear and drag. Yes. Like, yeah. we, we instead of just hiring other people, we will just do all of them, and we'll just, we will we will write sketches specifically to be in drag instead of, like, figuring out a workaround. Yeah, so it seems like why is kids you know for an earlier uh, generation, or earlier yeah. audience. People, yeah. yeah, and, and I would audience. say, like... For a late 80s, early 90s thing, it, where like alternative music is sort of coming into the fray a little bit, it is a perfect example of sketch comedy, like at its most bizarre and gonzo. Because, kind of like What Is Could You Know, it seems like every 23 minute stretch of segments, there would be like four okay, sort of mid to sub tier sketches and then there would be one where it's like clearly they spent all their time right. and money working and on like this. those middle sketches are like i don't even know what the joke is supposed to be in some of I these don't so, know. so like in this episode in particular there's that one where they're where it's like the couple on the couch i guess it's like a first date or yeah, something yeah yeah that one's and all they're right. both like comparing tattoos or, or or things and it's like i'm not really sure what the joke is here it's just like a very strange uh, couple. Yeah, it, <laughs> they're just like talking like about like the, things they have on their bodies. It's like their third date and they're basically like getting down to like maybe having sex that night. It's yeah. Scott Thompson and uh, Bruce McCulloch, I think. And McCulloch says that he has a jughead crown tattoo around the head of his cock, but it hasn't affected his dick because it never worked that well to begin with. 
and then Scott Thompson, instead of like being repulsed, is sort of like turned on by it. She's like, oh, I, I get turned on by inadequacy. And I mean, I guess that's like the crux of the bit. And that, is... Yeah, that's really, they just go on for that. It's it's a bit that I'm like, I'm not sure what the joke is here. But it, Yeah, and it's, it's, fu- like it's funny because the delivery works well and all that. But yeah. The actual written joke is not that funny. No. I, I think that Kids in the Hall, and I thought about this today, of like the best way to word it. Because I don't want to sound negative on the show. I think it was really funny growing up, but a lot of it went over my head. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not really relying on physical humor or anything like that at all. It's not one of those things. No. It's way more like character work. And they had a lot of reoccurring characters. They like, did. Like the characters that are doing the samples, uh, the, por- yeah. the poor reef, the half pork, half yeah, beef Yeah, the free thing. sample lady and I, I think the, the hippie guy. Yeah, yeah. Like they're really relying on like those characters being on the screen and being, you know, brought on. And then like everyone's immediately cheering. And I think that this show works better as a YouTube sort of reference because you can look at the best, uh, the best sketches. Yeah. Because a lot of like Mad TV... Uh, the like the mid seasons of Mad TV, there were great sketches on every episode, but then you would have like a litany mi- of shit that you did yeah, not yeah. care it's about. It's the same thing Miss with SNL Swan and, and Stewart. Any, any sketch show, really, like SNL's like yeah. that. Any sketch show, it's like there there's a good one every episode at least, but most of it shit. Right. right. It, it, and and it's it's funny that you bring up that like it reminds you a lot of like why does kids you know because. That, that, to me, it just kind of like, t- I don't think TV is the way I want to digest that type of humor and everything. No. I I found and like got Whitest Kids You Know on YouTube only. Right. Just watching the sketches I liked. Watching them over and over. Yeah. I think you and I. It was I, made for that because it was already like, what, on IFC or yeah, something? Like, we quoted that shit. Yeah, we mo- I mostly watched it on, on YouTube. But. Uh, it came uh, on Netflix for a while, and that's where I, I watched every bit of it. So I this, this was only... before Netflix when I when uh, yeah. I was watching it for sure. But they, I did watch it on that, and then like after I was watching it, I think they were in one of their last seasons on IFC still. So then I tried watching it on on TV, and it hey, I preferred watching it on YouTube. You can just find your favorites. Well, skits. that's 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 kind of why I say like I don't think this would ever be something that like I would sit and watch. But yeah. in the same sense of like, I would never really sit and watch like Mad TV or right. it, even SNL. Like I was never, we were never that like family that like sat down and watched all like that every, you know, time it came on or anything. And that's kind of how I feel about all those types of shows in that I'm just going to hunt for the shit I think is the funniest. And that, that is yeah. so, that's so fair too, because I have gone back to SNL from the early nineties, like at the height when, I mean, it's got Sandler and Spade and There's Rob still Schneider. shitty bits on there. And then you watch them and you go like, they're all good, right? And it's like, no, they're no. very hit or miss. I mean, there's some amazing sketches because it's an, it's an hour to an hour and a half show, depending on like what the commercial cuts are there. And it's, there's a lot of good content, but there's still like 30 solid minutes of this is shit this is this is the rob schneider making copies stuff and it's like this does not hold up well at all i mean this was just like like a line that was being thrown out and they just they they ran with it as long as they possibly could before it was completely dry which is almost immediately and i think kids in the hall works the same way because 
I watched this one, and we'll get to the really funny bit in this. It's the only standout bit, I think. I think there are two, but... There's two, well, there's two but there's the one about the sex slave yeah, that is yeah. fucking fantastic. And, I mean, they, they put money into this, like most people do, into, like, student films or something to where they're doing some really cool experimental stuff. But a lot of those shows, they didn't really know what to do with their runtime, so they would just have a lot of filler in there. And this, to me, feels more like true experimentalism and um, sort of an alternative, like, com- comedic outlet thing. Um, it-, it feels very akin to alternative music. I feel like it would have lent itself a lot better if it had been made in the age of, like, short 10-minute shows on Adult Swim or some yeah, shit like that. Agreed. Right? Like Tim and like, Eric kind of yeah, stuff. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Where, yeah. like, oh, 23 no. minutes is too long. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, no, 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 no. We need to get this down to eight minutes. Right. And then you just jam in all the best shit. Because Tim and Eric's the same way. Like, it's, it's a very short show. It's like 11 minutes or something. And there's even shit on that. <clears throat> but then there's, like, really amazing stuff here and there. And then the rest of it's completely inaccessible. It's just, like, someone going insane with an editing station right. for a lot of that. But, so, like, 30 seconds of saying, you know, just wash your driveway off for your health. You're like you, you might hang right. on to that, but that's only like fifteen seconds. Right. right, there's nothing to it, but it was worth the entire sit down. <laughs> exactly. To see it. Yeah. There, there was a kids in the hall sketch that was about a guy waking up. He basically, it's in the dark. It's in a bedroom, and he's like, "Honey, honey, what? Wake up! Don't, don't, don't move very fast. Just, just turn the lamp on." And she's like, "What? What's going on?" And I think it's Scott Thompson as the wife or something. Well, anyways, the lamp comes on, and it just does like this this bright like realization that there's like a giant spider around the, the husband's face. It's like a face hugger. It's terrible looking. And she goes, "Oh my god, you know Ben." He goes, "Don't, don't yell, don't yell, don't, don't upset the spider, honey." And anyways, they have like this whole like five minute heart to heart about like the relationship and honesty and like the thing they're in. And by the end of it, she's like, you know, we really need to have this. We really need to say these things to each other. And she starts blowing him. And as she's blowing him, he's like, okay, okay, let's take it down a notch. (laughs) Nope, the spider's biting me. It's biting my face. It's biting my face. And it's a funny fucking bit because they they do it. It's very, like, lo-fi. I mean, there's not, like, they need to use any kind of camera tricks. There's no, like, expensive techniques with this. It's just a big, stupid spider puppet on this guy's face. And that one fucking works because the premise is so good. And, like, the the prop is so good, too. It's ridiculous. The whole thing ties together perfectly. Like, what if these people had, like, this galvanizing conversation between them as as a couple? And by the end of it, she's sucking his cock and he's got a giant, like... Like Amazon tarantula wrapped around his head. That one's funny, but I tried looking it up on YouTube to send to you guys. I'm like, watch this one. Couldn't find it. It's not even like one of the standout things. There's like 4,000 fucking kids in the hall sketches, and that's not one of them. So this show had some really, really funny bits, but they are buried so far in the past. I don't even know like how to describe them or look for them. And this was like the standout. This episode we watched was like the big one, apparently, that's like the number one rated. And it's, a, what, 10% funny, I guess? Yeah, like even even one of the, even the standout ones are kind of like, there are a few laughs in them, but it's not, they're not, 
you know riotous like so the the big highlights uh, they open with it it's the sex slave one and it's like a a 1950s psa ad yeah like an uh, educational like high school yeah. you know you you watch it in gym class kind yeah, of thing following like a hairdresser uh 1950s Scott gay Thompson. gay stereotype and uh, yeah and he orders a sex slave who just looks like mr slave he from just South looks like Park. Mr. it's like mr slave and um, this would have been before South Park, Al, basically but, yeah but yeah, it, it's great because like he takes him like out of a crate and the announcer is telling you pretty quickly, like, you know, the first thing you must do, step one, is to establish dominancy. Otherwise, they may run amok. And like Scott Thompson just like pulls a fucking pistol out and shoots it into the ceiling. <laughs> but you keep seeing like the slave cam, which is like a first person thing, like, like a frantic dog. And it's like running behind his couch and like trying to hide in the curtains and yeah. stuff. And he like sticks his tongue in an outlet. Yeah, he, he's running and he's trying to hide and he's scared and he sees an outlet. And because he's a sex slave, he can't help but just start tonguing the holes of the outlet. And he's just shocking the <laughs> shit out of himself and convulsing. And Scott Thompson's just kind of standing there with his martini like, oh, you silly sex slave. And the voice is like, he won't do that again. God, and then like they have a manual that he comes with, and it's like you know the 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 first ten steps to like establishing yourself with your sex slave, and it's saying you know sometimes uh, if you don't know all the rules, bad behavior can commence, and it just shows like a steady stream of piss, like going right in Scott Thompson's face, and he just sits right there and just takes the whole thing. Well, then it, it just shows him like spanking his bare ass like he's got like yeah. leather chaps on oh he's branded him too you yeah have, he's you, branded him you that's have the to first brand step. your sex life that's the first thing to make sure that like he knows who's boss this was the funniest one this, this, <laughs> listening listening to this play-by-play makes me think holy shit this could have been trimmed. Even the best bits could have been trimmed down to like 10% what, of what they were. What's crazy is it's like they, they spend like, what, 10 minutes on this sketch or something yeah, it's like a long, that? it's a long sketch. And it's got production. I mean, this is not something they did cheaply, it yeah. feels like, at all. I mean, like they actually put like some time and money into this thing. And I mean, that's kind of like the highlight of the episode. I, I think that's, you tried. And I think that's all they were trying to do too. I think so. It, God damn it! It's it. It's a good show. It's a God. I I felt like going to into this for the last week and you a chose half. The worst episode. For I us, I feel opinion. like it is, but I don't think there's like one that has like stronger like multiple segments. I really don't think there is. I think this is just one of those shows There's where probably not. It's probably one of those things where it just lends itself to be like a YouTube oh, you just, thing. You just want to know the highlights. Yeah, yeah. Like, even the it, it's, they it's, did the they were did the revival last year, and even was that that's, good. It's this exact same way. It's like there are some good ones, and most of it's shit. <laughs> kind of like our show. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, we don't have good ones. Uh, that's yeah, true. I'm on it. Well, no, yeah. but but it's it's well, it's just really hard to like. I, I I think it's just really hard to fill time with sketches and to do it consistently with like have having I mean five, five seasons like of you know like yeah. doing a bunch of sketches you run out of fucking ideas yeah it's like you start to run out or it's like you make stuff that's just it goes on too long or you know it comparatively to you know the other thing like why does kids you know or you know if you're watching like tim and eric even like the states like on mtv which was um 
you know, like everyone from Reno 911 and all those guys, like Ken Marino, all those guys like went on to be like What Hot American Summer. The entire team from What Hot American Summer, those guys did an MTV sketch comedy show and it's very short lived. It doesn't get nearly the amount of like accolade and acclaim that something like Kids in the Hall did, but it's fucking funny. I mean, it's like it's pure alternative comedy done on MTV, like around the same time as the Ben Stiller show and all that, like in the early 90s. It's fucking good. It's really good. Kids in the Hall, I, I guess it does have like almost that punk rock attitude of like, this is something that literally was in a time where there was nothing else like it. This is not SNL. This is not like SKTV or whatever. This is something else. And it has that Pete and Pete vibe of like, this is almost too weird to be accessible, but there's something alluring about this. It's, well, it's it, funny you say that um, comparing it to Pete and Pete, though, because like I, I think I fondly remember Pete and Pete, and yeah. like it felt like a coming of age type show that I might connect with. A it's little like bit. it's like the Wonder Years on acid, right, in a yeah, way. Like yeah, yeah, it's weird, but it's like almost in like a romanticized reimagining or like remembering childhood or something like that. Something, but, yeah. But but. but but with this, it's just, yeah, maybe the whole appeal of it is the fact that, like, there wasn't something else really doing that, you know? Like, yeah, it's, it's it's more performative than anything else. If, like, people are trying, they're throwing everything they have against the wall. They're trying to do something weird. And they're trying to, like, fill in that space where it's not as nearly, <laughs> like, vanilla and, like, diluted as SNL. Right, it's maybe, not maybe it's not as, like, yeah, right. Maybe it's not as topical or as, like current event funny and maybe it's just more experimental it, fe- so, yeah, like, it feels more like its- Monty Python of like we got five guys give them some dresses and like let's just fucking turn them loose and see what happens right maybe there's a minute of like comedy in there right because but- we think about Monty Python and it's like how many funny sketches can you name off the top of your head and it's like I don't know like 10 to 15 to 20 and it's like how many do they do and it's like a fuckload a fuckload of contents but the things that we can like access and remember fondly it's kind of like in the minority compared to the actual output right even even in sh- sketch comedy shows that i like kids yeah why did you know and, yeah and 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 recently viewed like for example um i think you should leave yeah like yeah, i have yeah. recently watched there's that. some misses. i love it yeah i think it's a great fucking show i actually started re-watching it because i think there's so many good fucking bits and there are a lot don't get me wrong yeah i are. feel like it, percentage-wise that is it's mostly like, strong that's like 90 percent. yeah like yeah. maybe there's one where i'm like eh, i could probably skip this one right. but i'll leave it on anyway because it's awkward right because it's awkward and but but you know like even in even in it's like what is, this is supposedly like the best the highest rated one yeah it's like i don't know where you got that list from. Yeah, i don't I, know i don't know i, I don't know but what like, this where, was so so maybe i mean yeah yeah wow a 90s show is a product of its time F- fucking crazy take but like maybe it really is just like that's why it doesn't land r- super well or like a lot of the bits just aren't great is because it's just ex- more experimental it's just more playing than it is like trying to have a take about whatever's going on in the modern day or whatever when it was made i guess so i it's it's really hard to say i i just, I just remember like being happy when i would catch it on because it, it seemed like something that 
you couldn't catch very easily. He it, really hoped it was a skit where they're dressing up as girls. Yes, that's which, what it was. <laughs> which he's I, like, I want someone to be pretty like me. Yeah, and I, kids in the hall came it's, on. It's fulfilling in that sense because you're gonna get it. Um, but yeah, you're right though. It's it's like a whitest kids you know of its time, and whitest kids you know is largely hit or miss i would say like it is like, like even on the best episodes it's like 40 percent of that is sure. really funny and, and and but but like me like me remembering why does kids you know i only have a lot of things that i like because mm. i only viewed on youtube the highlights yeah right. i only viewed the stuff that was really like big and popular and I thought it was funny. Now I'm sure if I go back and watch it now, like sure, I'm 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 I don't think I'm gonna be belly laughing about a guy slowly jerking off, no. but you know it just the way you kind of consume this show, I just don't think it's as conducive to like no, getting to either. the best parts. Right? Like I, I was excited when we rolled it. Cause I'm like, this is something I'm really really fond of, but I also know how do you how do you like consume this because the way that we format our show is i'm not going to just send you guys the five best skits like we're going to have to actually pick an episode we're going to have to do something we're not going to look at it in its entirety because we may re-roll this one day just like the simpsons where it's like we're not just going to talk about the simpsons as a whole we're going to talk about an episode because i'm sure there's plenty to talk about and we did easily for 30 minutes about the last exit to springfield episode so with this, if we ever re-rolled this, I guess I'd do a little bit more research and probably watch a few episodes and be like, this is the one we should watch because it's it's at least 30% funny. And this one here, I'm sorry, it didn't feel like that. It just feels very of its time. Uh, I still enjoyed watching it, but this was not like the fun, warm feelings I had for it growing up. It feels like a lot of it's pretty dated now. Yeah. So, right. you know, not to disparage the show. I think it I think it is a good show. I just don't know where to find it. I don't know like where to look specifically for it cuz I think it might be one of those things like we've been talking about where yeah, you're only getting about maybe 8 good minutes here. I did like the sex slave one, but I think just kind of how we ran out of steam with it. I think the skit also runs out of steam steam after 8 out of what 10 minutes of it. Yeah. I mean, it's half the runtime. So, yeah. But the, overall, what do you think, Garrett? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, this this episode was okay. There were just two two sketches that I thought kind of worked. I'm done. All right, change it. <laughs> Check up time. The Cabbage Patch Dental Care Center lets you be the dentist. Time's real. I'll be the dentist. So open wide. Tabitha Soren with an MTV News Brief. I've been down hearted, baby. I've been down, been down hearted, baby. Ever since the day we met. Ever since the day we met. I've been down hearted, baby. Been down, been down hearted, baby. 
Ever since the day we met Ever since the day we met down and wrestles in his sleep <laughs> Was that Mary Kate? I did good, man. on comic books and... Oh, fuck. I already fucked it up. God damn it. <laughs> Dude, you're God, you're, you're so singing good. is better than his plan. Yeah. Yo, keep, keep going. going. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, Don't yeah. you stop. Moonlight spills on comic books <laughs> and superstars <laughs> and magazines. An old friend calls and tells us where to meet. Her plane takes off from Baltimore and touches down on Bourbon Street. Ooh. I'll hop in when I know the lyrics. Yeah, man. <laughs> Go ahead. The lyrics. <laughs> Stand outside and argue all night long about a god we've never seen but never fails to side with me. Sunday comes and all the papers say. Are y'all serenading me? <laughs> Ma Teresa's joined the mob and happy with her full time job. Do 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 what does he say i've been down i've been down hearted baby i've been down been down hearted baby ever since the day we met yeah what you said oh that's ugly you know what you you are like on the verge of a complete vocal collapse i've been down hearted baby do yours again I've been down hard, baby. That sounds like Walter Matthau. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> that was nice. I'm glad we got to share that with you. Dude, I, I dug, play, play a little bit more of it. I do like, I do like the guitar version of that because it's a very like bassy, like beat percussion driven song, and I like, I like the guitar version. Yeah, I, I um, I've been down something, baby. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I have uh, been down something, oh, baby. I've actually uh, been down a couple times, baby. That's not bad. Yeah, I like that. That's good, man. You mean the way he looks or the way he plays? <laughs> yes. Yes, all of it. Yeah. Um, so uh, we are covering uh, for our music video the phone booth starring Colin Farrell. Wait, fuck. <laughs> God, <laughs> uh, <laughs> standing outside a broken phone booth with money in my hand by Primitive Radio Gods. A true one-hit wonder. God damn, is it ever. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, it's fucking a great one, man. It's uh, one of the better one-hit wonders. It, this is not some fucking Macarena here. This is, a... yeah, it's not that good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is a song that neither neither of you have ever heard. Never heard it. First? I've heard the BB King well, sample in something uh, in something else. I don't I don't know, but I've never heard the song before. Gotcha. I, I like it. I, I do think it's decent, and it's mostly because of the simplistic beat that's in it. Like yeah. the, the simplistic music that's very just, chill. Yeah, it hits yeah. behind it, and it's very prevalent. Uh, the same like tempo and everything as like uh, some old hip hop that I like. Yeah, it's yeah. very simple in that like right. it doesn't change up. No, there's nothing that's going like. There's not a lot of progression. Wild. There's not. Yeah. There's. It, it's very just. Here's the here's the string. Here here's what you're gonna get, and then just on repeat. What's yeah. cool, what's yeah. crazy is like when it does like change up when it progresses, it just goes to like a soft piano and then church bells, like yes. that. That's as yes. much as it ever like switches up the beat. 
Yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 fa- I think it's fantastic. I mean, it's, I did really like the song. I think I, I'm sure I've heard it before because it was in the Cable Guy, and I've seen the Cable Guy. Yeah. Um, but you know, I didn't I didn't know the song, so this was definitely the first time I've actually listened listened to it. Um, yeah, and I, I think I thought it was uh really really cool. It's got a cool sound. Um, I even ended up listening to the whole album that this was on. A rocket. Yeah, rocket. And yeah. honestly, man. There's a lot of other songs on there that could have been hits. Fading out is great. Yeah, there, yeah. it's great. There's a lot of great songs, and the, uh, and some of them sound more like hit makers than this one does. Yeah, just this is like, an unusual one, if anything. It is like it. It doesn't have a hook or anything. Uh, there's nope. no yeah. There's no chorus uh, or anything to but it. But the the do do doos. It does have the do do doos. Yeah, that's the yeah. closest thing to a hook it's got. Yeah, so it's, it's good. The best do 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 since Lou Reed's "Take a Walk on the Wild Side." Honestly, <laughs> I mean, no, what are I, those? I, Go ahead. I, I mean, do 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 do. It's it's a little bit different, but I mean, this was released in '96. I was 11. Um, and this was like the summer that I started really liking music, and it was a, a worthwhile summer to start like liking music because this was the summer as a uh, uh, melancholy and infinite sadness. This is like when mm-hmm. Beck came out with Odalay, I think, with where it's at. This was a fucking awesome summer for music. I think like Lynn, still my sunshine, like that was a big like hit in the summer. But this was the song right here, where this was the one that you like literally turned the radio or MTV on to eventually see even if it took an hour or an hour and a half if this came on this was fucking worth having sat down to to listen to this definitely feels like a great song to like listen to in the summer on a car drive with windows down or something yeah 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 Yeah. i remember my brother and i like in the back seat of my stepmom's car we were going to like a baseball game or something and she used to listen to like the hard rock station. We we liked uh, it was a station called ninety six X, which would play like the alternative stuff. It would play more like um, uh, like Pearl Jam and stuff like that. While while ninety two nine would play like Metallica and ACDC and like the the metal shit. And this song came on, and I remember my brother both like he and I in the backseat crammed in there. We're just sort of like nudging each other, like this is a good moment. Like we both just sort of knew like. We don't relate to ACDC. We're not into that stuff. We just weren't those kids. We were mama's boys, man. We were raised by a single mother. So none of that shit was like, yeah, Metallica. But when this song came on, it was like one of those things where he and I had nothing in common, but we both knew like this song, whatever the fuck this is, it totally grabs us. It's very, very catchy. And it still is. I mean, I'm I'm glad that when we rolled this, you were both kind of like, uh, and to hear that you both liked it a lot. I mean, I, I think it works still to this day. Yeah, I think it works. I definitely bought a leather jacket and stood outside of a couple phone bows after I thought it was really good. Do you want to talk about the music video? Because I mean, I mean that's what, that's what mean, we're here to what do. The, right? Yeah, what, I thought that's what we were going to well, yeah, No, so, so why, don't, why don't you tell us what happens in the music video? Because it's very little. Uh, a man, mm-hmm. who I assume is in the band, <laughs> yeah, that is uh, Chris singer. O'Connor. He's uh, he's really the only guy for the for the in the band. I oh, guess. okay. Um, uh, he he has band members, but he's the main. A man in the baggiest leather jacket and white t-shirt combo he could find with a V-neck stands in front of a red telephone booth, 
several times. And there's a CGI plane that flies over. Yeah, there um, there's a really good looking plane, and then like a weird ten seconds of like sped up traffic and a ghost and girl. The, <laughs> and, yeah, and, there's sorry, this girl, and, and also uh, a little girl appears at some point, and then there's some like psychedelic stuff through With like fireworks. the phone, yeah, yeah, booth window or something like that. Uh, there you go. There's the whole music video. Do, 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 it it, do, it yeah. well. It feels like haunted, almost like he's a ghost haunting the phone booth or something. In a way, it feels like time is sort of like loose and elastic or something. It feels very dream sequency. Yeah, and it 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 feels like the telephone booth is just. I I really thought like I I'm so I was so surprised when you told me that like they flew to london or whatever yeah they shot to, it in london to go like get this specifically i really thought that this was filmed in the middle of like fucking wisconsin and someone found a telephone booth and was like oh well we could just do a music video around this well i guess in america they couldn't find a telephone booth that someone hadn't od'd in <laughs> so right. it's a little hard to okay. yeah um no, yeah, they. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, it was just it was like the most simple fucking. I watched this it guy and... was uh, this guy was at the time he he recorded this like on a on a a track or whatever and like in a garage in a garage yeah. and sent it out to studios in no a phone one... booth in like 1989 <laughs> too. Like, yeah, like and he sent it out to studios. Before. No one picked it up. No. Um, and just kind of gave up on the dream, and then it just kept circulating. I guess. And he was working at uh, as an air traffic controller, or not a controller, but I, I thought he, it was. was I thought it was one airport. of the other guys in the band that was working like at the airport. And he was working. Chris O'Connor. It was him. Okay. He, was, he was working at the airport, and when they uh, when this finally got traction in the studio system, and they uh, wanted to pick him up and do this music video, so he had to like call in three sick days, or yeah. not, three He's times. Like, I'm going to lose sick. my job potentially over this. Yeah. So when he's shooting that music video, he still has a job at the airport. Yeah. Um, he had just given up completely on this career, and he's like, I, I have a one-shot thing here uh, to where I could potentially lose my career, but fuck it, why not? Like, you only get out one shot at this, and he yeah. went and did it. And it's nice that they have the... I, see, I thought they were filming it maybe somewhere locally with him, and the planes flying overhead are literally like, that's the airport the guy fucking worked at. Like, it was one of those things where I need to go back to my job and I can shoot this on my lunch break. It, it almost feels that like low budget, low fi. But I, I didn't know he was. He, they shot it in London. I had no idea about that. That's what I had heard. Okay. <clears throat> I, I didn't do much research on this because I, I honestly think that the song, when you hear it, it kind of becomes a part of like. Not. Uh, it's like gonna, Sony UK that picked it up or something. Probably that makes a lot of sense. Like it, this, it, it the, seems a lot more likely that Europeans would like this yeah, song. Like the label picked it up, and that's, that's what why it fucking it reminds me of. Doctor Who. Me, yeah, it reminds me of that fucking uh, "Take a Walk on the Wild Side" song. Yeah, the Lou Reed song. That's yeah. what it. I kept wondering. I was like, where the fuck do I feel like I've heard this melody or this tone or whatever from? Well, it's, especially it's like that, a, a day in the life of like bad things happening too. Like, he's talking about, like, crazy things happening. And this song, which, do you have a take on what this is yeah. about? Yeah, I do. Because um, I didn't really start engaging with the lyrics until, like, a couple of days ago. Um, and uh, it's a very nihilistic song Very to me. It's a uh, Yeah, it's just, like, 
It, it's what the title says. It's the 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 title is pro, saying outside a broken phone booth with money in your hand. It's like you have something to give, but you have no way of using it. I and think, it's that feeling yeah. of like being a little person in the world when like all this crazy shit is going on you've got like very little money you've you have no way of controlling anything that's going on you're you're uh, you can just stand outside with your friend and bullshit about existential musings and that's about it while there's just chaos going around you and in the end like the money you've got in your hand is just meaningless doesn't mean shit like like i'm this close to being able to remedy the problem and I can't do it because like the obstacle is too tall or the thing's broken in and of itself. Like I literally have the change that I need to communicate what I need to communicate, but the means to communicate are broken. I can't do it because it seems like it's about a relationship yeah, and about like being, being able to get through to someone. I mean, he's even saying like, all the meanwhile you're reading about like mother Teresa joining the mob yeah like and even mother it. even mother Teresa has given up on her purpose and yeah. is a button pusher Th- things that should be like inherently good are broken like they have completely like inversed in and of themselves to something that doesn't work it's something that goes against the very idea of them yeah so yeah it's about basically like chaos in the world and like only hearing about bad things and it all boils down to like you and one other person and you can't even communicate what you need to get through to them. Yeah. It's, it's about, you know, that like these people who just can't connect on an emotional level. Yeah. When you need to, I think, I think it's great because uh, yeah, once you get, it took me after I started like really paying attention to that, that it's a really well-written song. I think, I, you know, I never pay attention to lyrics. Now, uh, especially when it comes to like the 90s stuff there's so many songs in the in the 90s where it's like it's just catchy yeah it's catchy or you don't really pay attention to what it's saying and then when you actually like look at the lyrics you're like oh fuck that's what that's about i, I kind of feel like that about this song yeah in that like i i, I told you guys right before we rolled on this like i have no idea what the fuck if he i was wasn't saying. playing guitar and having to do that open i probably wouldn't either because i had to like actively look up the lyrics right you know, I, it's funny you say i was a a radiohead fan in the 90s i was a giant radiohead fan and i swear to god like i i don't think i had liner sheets to half of the things i had because they were just like hand-me-down albums or something like someone loaned me on tape Uh or whatever like i literally had a cassette tape of of uh, okay computer i didn't have any of the lyrics you couldn't google them I didn't know what the fuck that Marble Mouth weirdo was saying for like nine years. That, that's that's what I mean. And like, I like this song because of the music. Right. And that's really it. And is it's, because it's I feel like it's totally catchy. justified. And, and I feel like, yeah, like he said, this is something that like windows down, rolling in a car with your friends. There's a lull moment. You're not really talking. You're just listening. And it's just easy it's just a chill moment and that Mm -hmm. is what this all reminds me of is just you know those moments where you're like maybe driving back home and it's really late at night or something like that like absolutely like when the energy is gone because it's all been spent right and now we're just listening to music you've got you've got 18 minutes before you get home exactly like i've I've got three songs i can justifiably listen to and i'll play this three times this (laughs) yeah yeah that's great man (laughs) this could have been purely instrumental with just the bb king sample yeah Yeah. and it would have felt just as much it could have just been him humming just right exactly exactly for all intents and purposes yeah when i hear it or when i heard it i listened to it like three fucking times today it's great man. and he just 
I don't know what the fuck he's saying. I just know it's just. But like, I, I guess yeah. I I listen to it occasionally. I mean, that's probably like the the uh, you know uh, uh, because he's like recording it in a garage and <laughs> it just has shitty sound quality to work with or shitty recording equipment. So you're covering to work a with. lot of like the deficiencies up with like a really good beat yeah. that is like on some kind of like autoplay thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a very analog sound that he's got. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I, I I never really paid attention to the lyrics until maybe like five years ago, because it would come up like on my '90s playlist. Like whenever I would listen to like a '90s playlist, sure. I, I was still happy when it came on because you can listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers fifteen times and then hear fucking Jeremy's broken, and then this song would come on and it's like, this is a a highlight. This is something where it's like, oh, stop what you're doing and actually appreciate this because this kind of completes the allure of what this thing was, was this didn't fit anywhere, especially in 96. Like even with like some really weird experience, like Beck and stuff like that, where this doesn't sound like anything else either. It still sounds like interesting music. And this song, something about it, it's like a gut punch of interesting of just like, this just feels good. This feels like something refreshing going down. I feel like it's just, it's because it's just so simple. The the simplicity of the melody and the beat and everything is what I really gravitate towards. You know, I like, to be perfectly honest, like I'll, I'll probably never know the lyrics to this song. I'll probably never have enough interest in learning it, Sure. but I would just listen to the music part in the same way that I would listen to, uh, other like uh, songs that carry like a same like similar tempo or something like that it it, it just kind of like hits a easy feeling mood you know it's it's a very like it's not a song that like you're gonna put on and be like let's recite this one lads like this is a song where i feel like it's just a vibe that you have and you're just expressing it through that, and that's it. It's just like a refreshing drink of something. Like you don't even need to like know what the ingredients are because it doesn't feel like there's a lot. It just feels like I don't know. It's probably like lemon and water and ice. I don't fucking know. But every time you have it, it's like this is refreshing. This is so simple and refreshing, and it brings you down to a good place no matter where you are. It's never something right. you're gonna like deny. Like, nah, I don't really want any of that. No, this is good. This is like intrinsically a good thing. Yeah, I, I I fucking love this song a lot. This is I am so glad we rolled this because we rolled some really fucking interesting things the last couple apps, and this one here was like, oh no, I cannot imagine we're gonna have anything that negative to say about it. Because if anyone's out there that's like listen to this and goes, yeah, not really for me, I can't fucking relate because there's a lot of things that I'm I'm just like eh on, or I'm like yeah, absolutely on. This is something to where it feels like. As human beings, this is pleasing to the ear somehow. It's just right. a very, it's a very easy to relate to song because, I, I, like I said, I mean, it, it just feels like it fits into a mood. And yeah. as long as you experience that like easy kind of light feeling of you know that that cold drive back home. Or even like yeah. a sunny day, just like going through cruising at like an eighteen miles an hour through a park or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's just a mood. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a moment. I love that though. I love yeah. that. Like, there's something. There's just like things out there that everyone can agree on are wonderful. Like, pizza is good. The cool side of the pillow is fucking nice, and this song is good. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that's so that's such like simplistic terms to put it in, and such like a, a overly positive, like without any sort of like backhanded humor or joke along with it. But I really do feel like that way about this. There's nothing I can say about this to shit on it because you're right. Like even if you just take the lyrics out, I don't even care. Who even there. gives a shit? It doesn't even, even need care, them. Yeah. Like I mean, it's, they're, it's they're fine. really nonsensical. Uh, yeah, especially towards the end. So they, yeah, towards the end, yeah. It's it, exactly. It's like in the sense of you know you you uh, related it to something like Beck or something like that where it's like yeah i'm just trying I, something here yeah now. i don't i like is whatever's being said is literally just also musical notes yeah it's as far as i'm music. concerned yeah the the words right. being spoken are nothing more than me to me than just mumbling sounds that feed into the smooth melody and the beat yeah like, and it, even it, the it, words themselves sure. like i really like them now but that's why i didn't really want to look into them because it's like i don't want to know what the intent was i really don't care like I, to me it, it is on such a personal level a good thing that i don't really want to to sully that i don't want to sour that in any sense of knowing like this guy wrote this about like his son dying from leukemia or something. And it's like, what? Jesus Christ. Right. Now that's even... all I'll think about on this cold well, drive home. Well, it's like, it's like when I found out that closing time by semi-sonic, which I love that too. When I found out like, it's about him having a baby and he didn't want to like write a song about having a baby. That was too obvious because he knew his bandmates would be like, we're not going to do that fucking song. So he wrote it like as an analogy for a closing time of, I, it's time for us to have a baby and my life's going to change from this point on. So it's time for all the fun times to be behind sure. me and to like mature. And it became a giant hit for the band and everything worked out, but his bandmates had no idea this was about he and his wife having a baby. So I, I mean, it doesn't hurt the song for me, but I'd rather just, it be a catchy song, like a big one hit wonder that works on every level. And this song does that for me. And there's really not a lot of information about this. I mean, like you said, he wrote it kind of, on a whim in like 1989 or 1990 recorded it. And then it just sat there for yeah. years and years and years. Yeah. He's in around, uh, sat there, uh, got it picked up, uh, became a, got a lot of radio play, uh, over the airwaves. And then after that, it was just like really bad, uh, bad luck mostly on yeah. for the rest of them. Uh, I mean, they just, he then they, they got a pick, uh, used in the cable guy. And then he, they were, they this label wanted them to use it in more movies. He didn't want to. Now, was this and similar then, like, to Iris, where they they couldn't be on the charts because they no. were in a, mo- a movie soundtrack? No, that this was they were on charts before the movie okay. soundtrack. Okay, um, I don't know exactly where they charted, but yeah, that that didn't really affect them. But uh, yeah, and then like some labels bosses changed hands. They didn't want to move forward with certain projects, so like their follow-ups were like abandoned before they even got a chance to to run with them. Uh, yeah, it, it was just like a whole clusterfuck <clears throat> of business problems that like kept them from really doing anything else. They still they they still play. Um, I believe they their last album was like 2016 or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But no, they kind of withered away. Well, squeeze this one out. So. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I I think a lot of it didn't have to do with like none of their other songs really sounded like this one, and they didn't really want to go in that direction. This yeah. was This was kind of like their creep Radiohead of like. Yeah, it's a really good catchy song, but this is not what we want to play. We we want to do other stuff here. And they sort of uh, not had bad feelings about it, but like you're not going to pigeonhole us into this sound because this 
sound was sort of like what we were limited into producing at the time. I mean, this is like what I was able to make. And now that I have like a band and sort of like something to run with here, I kind of want to do other sounds. Like right. I, I did this, I did this out of the the limited capabilities that I had. Right. Not you, like, it, it, you did this because you had to, not right. because you wanted to. Correct. Yeah. And I mean, I, I it really, really works. I think he really was onto something, but yeah, clearly he had other ambitions and you know, I, like you said, I mean, it's a cynical song and it's a wonderful thing in and of itself. And no matter what they did get this one off. And I mean, hell, if you're a band and you manage to get something half of this good and like timeless off, I mean, this is a almost 30 year old fucking song now. I mean, it is 30 in terms of when it was written, but this one's great, man. This does not feel 30 years old. This feels like this kind of transcends, you know, time and sound and all that. It just, it is, in and of itself a great song so yeah, yeah. anything else that's it i like it go yeah. fucking listen to it <laughs> but yeah no I, I i really enjoyed it i'm glad we rolled this and i uh i should to thank what else we get because i don't think it's anywhere gonna be anywhere near this good uh all right anything else no nope. all right change it terminator i'm back got to find john connor but evil t-1000 gets to him first hey back off all right, so let's go ahead and spin the wheel for next episode. And the next episode we will be doing for our movie, Hard Eight. Oh. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie. Uh, for the TV show, we will be covering Saturday Night Live. In the 90s. Oh, yes. Really? That's so a good decade that, for that. That will be good. And then for the music video, fucking drum roll. I'm not adding that in, but let's just pretend there's one there. We're covering Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice. Really? <laughs> yeah. This is going to be a much better episode. In fact, we just delete this one and put this one in its place. <laughs> I like this. Yeah, yeah this is, uh, I think we're actually getting somewhere with this bullshit. So, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So, you guys have any final thoughts? Can we just like do that episode now? Just replace this one? I can't without watching any of it. <laughs> just just yeah. fucking wing it. Like, yeah, I've never seen Hard Eight. Movie's but good. You can just tell me about it. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, it's kind of like almost Heroes, except that it's good. Okay. And then it's well acted okay. and it's well edited and okay. uh, launches a career into the fucking stratosphere. <laughs> and um, okay. yeah, it doesn't jade everyone in its production. So. All right. So uh, anyway. Um, how does it start off? Oh, are we doing it now? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. So Nicholas Cage is hired oh, by a guy God, to uh, no. investigate a snuff no. video. Please, um, God. Oh, that's eight no. millimeter. That's it, eight it, millimeter. It, it is at a casino, though. Uh, so it does take place that. at a casino. Yeah. Yeah. So we're getting back into the nitty gritty of which Vegas. is very thematic for '90s roulette. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll cut that out. Yeah, it's all right. But yeah, no, that's all right. That's all right. I hated it when I said it. <laughs> I hate you for saying it. Uh, no, yeah, it's going to be a great episode. Um, if you enjoyed this episode of 90s Roulette Podcast, check us out on patreon.com slash 90s Roulette Podcast, where you can find more content by subscribing and becoming a patron. 
Thanks for listening. Appreciate oh my it. god, stop listening to this shit. These are the fucking worst episodes. Go to the Patreon. We've got fucking Duhast by Romstein over there. We got Leaving Las Vegas, and that's a really fun conversation because it's a fun movie. So stop listening to this drivel, this dog shit. It's five bucks. Just borrow it from someone. You're probably already in fucking debt. Go do that! Jesus! Go listen to the Patreon. Dalton's not even on that one. (laughs) (laughs) We got Jesse over there. We got Leaving Las Vegas and Romstein. What else do you need to hear, you idiot? Garrett, you got any final words? Uh, Yeah. yeah, Real quick, is it actually Romstein? Yeah. It's not Ramstein? No, it's Romstein. It's Frankenstein, actually. (laughs) I have never fucking heard it pronounced Romstein. It's Romstein. I don't know. I'm not. Did y'all say Ra- that on Ra- the podcast? Ramstein is a law firm. Did y'all say that on the podcast? I don't Did know. Did you I say Romstein? No, we talk about the video. We don't mention the band, though. Yeah. <sighs> no, yeah, we, we Romstein. That's how you say it. I, I really think it's Ramstein. I don't think it is. <sighs> I think it might be, dude. Is this one of those, like, it's not Mario, it's Mario? Absolutely not. I, think I, it's I what... legitimately think it might be Ramstein. And it's, if y'all did, like, an entire thing about it being Romstein, that's fucking hilarious. I don't care. I really no. like... No, I don't care at all, but it's fucking good. I God, like you're that. wrong, and this is recorded. Uh, do you want to do your rate, review, and subscribe? Wait, your, your rot, review, and subscribe? What? Because it's not It's Romstein. actually not Rotstein. It's it, Ratestein. It's... it's <laughs> It's not rot, it's right. So go ahead. The jokes are real fucking bad right now. It's rate. Excuse me. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, Love you bunches. Bye. Do you want me to redo that one? Yes, redo it. Don't say love (laughs) you bunches. Don't kiss either. I am not turned on. (laughs) I I am, but I don't want you to do it. Uh, You made me an idiot. Hey, I need a clean take, please. Everyone? You need a clean pair of panties. Uh, I've been sitting in (laughs) filth for hours. Um, Yeah. uh, Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us out a whole lot. Thank you. I don't know if that's better. <laughs> you just you just need them to you just need them to like it, uh, right? Right. That, Shouldn't you say a, just, just like and follow us wherever you're getting this podcast? Right? Well, what are they like? Huh? Is there a like button? I don't think there's a like button. Oh, no there's idea. definitely a like button on Where? Spotify. I have, well, I mean. There's a. There's it's a, a little follow. heart and everything. A, it's a little follow. I, I, oh, it's a heart. Look. Oh yeah. Just do it one more time. It's oh, a heart. I just need a, I need, I need so look, a look at a song. You're gonna look no, it up not. to there's see a, what, what they fo- can do. There's a yeah, follow. Yeah, but open up the episode. No. Yeah. No. Like play it. Yeah. Now open that up. No. You see that? Where? Yeah, it's right there. It's a boys kissing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you want? Look, just just do just do what you did, but. Do it without saying anything about kissing or I loving. didn't. I, that last one was good. Just know. stop trying to fall in love when you say it. Yeah, you were doing kind of a radio voice. Just do your voice. I've been real lonely lately. Um, <sighs> what was it? What do you want me to do? Just do the same thing you did, yeah, but do, do it in your voice. You Don't do radio voice. I wasn't doing. Was I doing a radio? A little bit. Voice? It was a little sing songy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, don't forget to follow, subscribe. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. That was perfect. Uh, That was really good.
That was really good. We're up to we're, yeah, we're up to eleven listeners. <laughs> Keep doing it, man. <laughs> Ten of them are Jesse's cave tribe. Look, <laughs> listen, listeners, I don't, I don't know what you want from me. I don't, I don't know what hard. they want from me. I just, I am perpetually flaccid, yeah. perpetually soft. I just need you to subscribe. Do whatever you want. My brain. Do whatever quiet. makes you happy, but most importantly. Follow us. Hit that bell icon to get notified when we put up new episodes. And, uh, yeah, go over to Patreon. We got Duhas and Dalton isn't over there oh yet. Definitely go over God, that shit. You. Check that out. It's fucking awesome. In fact, it's good. And these aren't. Don't listen to these. Oh, my God. Go listen to them. Fucking just give us $5. I don't want to fucking work anymore. It's taken us 10 minutes just to get through the closing. These are terrible. <laughs> these are these are legitimately awful. I would have turned the podcast off like 15 fucking minutes ago. There's hey, no but, way anyone What about all the people out there that don't have any fucking ability to use their arms and legs? Okay? Oh, they probably just say like, hey, Siri. Uh, <laughs> Hey Siri, turn off this dog. Hey Siri, sign me up for Patreon so I can listen to Leaving Las Vegas by these morons. Oh like, yeah, yet? I feel like we do need a clean. Just and if you like, if you want to, or if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. Just say it in a normal voice. I have been trying that so hard, and just I'm do just it right judged. now. All right. Oh my god, you have the fucking worst performance anxiety. Just I did I feel like I've already done it well and you're putting me on the spot to like do it again. You Just do it. You played fucking guitar for the last four episodes. Just say rate review and subscribe if you like what you heard. And we'll see you next time. Mike, I bye, need you to leave bye. the room for this. Oh my god. I, All right. I get can you give me a clean take? All right. It's just it Mike what did I just say? Let me switch the film reel. Hang on. Click, <laughs> crack. Go ahead. Rolling. And if you. And Go if ahead. You... <laughs> Put my toes in his mouth. <laughs> no, go ahead. Don't be distracted by me. I'm nothing. <laughs> That's true. He is actually not. Yeah, he's Ugly, lower stupid, than nothing. Don't like. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And folks, if you like this episode, don't forget. Am I what? I, I saw. I didn't say anything. No, I didn't say anything. <laughs> and they said dentistry was going to be painful. Look <laughs> <laughs> at this. Yeah. This sign-off is painful. Holy I, I, I fucking. I've been praying. I've been just out on a limb thinking like please let me laugh at this stupid fucking joke one time over the next three weeks and you just got me God, I'm just like it's a non sequitur like like in a work meeting like and I thought that dentistry was gonna be painful and everyone just looks at you like you know you're fired but we're gonna wait until the meeting's done but you're fired that's what this look means I will not respect you